Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. I'm Sam, I am, and I meant to say Happy New Year. Uh, tonight, it's been a while since we've gone through the whole COVID narrative, and I was putting together some kind of show prep, figuring out what I wanted to talk about tonight, and I found, came across a couple puzzle pieces that I think are really important uh, components of the big picture of what's happening here, and this relates to the immune system's response after repeated doses of these COVID-19 injections that are gene transfection therapies that they want you to believe are in fact vaccines. And the narrative is crumbling. We've got some great examples of the cracks that are forming. If you remember, oh, this guy, yeah, yeah, he's he's stepped in some deep doo-doo and we're going to cover that. Uh, there's also a lot of infighting going on and this whole died suddenly thing that I've missed. I've been we had a big freeze in Dallas, so it was like Florida all over again for the last two weeks. Um, so we're going to cover a lot of that, but I, tonight I want to open with the bad cat here, Elgato Mallow. He's put this article together based on, it's actually from another blog, the, the primary idea here. And I think uh, it's something, again, that's really important that you guys should understand, but we're going to take a quick sidebar here. He says, well, Getting back on Twitter sure gets gallons of research sprayed at you like a fire hose at a teacup. And it's like, oh, okay, that's great that he's back on Twitter. I'm still not, okay, because Elon Musk, you know, a couple months ago when he promised that uh, all of the, there, there'd be this amnesty program offered and next week all the accounts that were banned would be back. That was two months ago, still hasn't happened. Instead, what he's implemented is this high school popularity contest where the popular kids get picked one by one and they come on and get to make announcements like that. And Oh, let's that draws some more people into Twitter steady stream of new people coming into Twitter so much for being a free speech level playing field. Like he promised when he bought Twitter, that's not really materializing. Instead we get this high school bullshit. And Oh, by the way, while we're on it, I went to post the live stream on true social, you know, the bastion of free speech that Donald Trump put together. And it turns out they deleted my account over there. Why? Well, I saw a piece of pro-military propaganda that had pictures of U.S. troops, U.S. soldiers, and it said, they fight and die for your freedom. And I retweeted it and I said, no, they don't. They fight and die for the whims of politicians. And I should have added, and they're masters in the military industrial complex. Because it's the politicians who are sending them to war, to fight and die and for reasons that benefit them, not the people. Look at Ukraine. Look at what's happened in Iraq. All over the world. Absolute disasters, unless you're one of the defense contractors, then works out really nicely for those guys, right? That's who they're fighting and dying for, not to protect our freedom. Sorry if that offends you, but that's the truth. And I signed it with hashtag truth. And they didn't like that because truth is not actually a free speech platform. It's a pro-military, pro-government, pro-statism, propagandist platform. One that Donald Trump loves because, well, he's a populist. That's been my biggest complaint about him all along. Remember the bump stock ban? What was the principle behind that? Well, it was popular to do it at the time. So he banned bump stocks, went after your guns, 
folks. <laughs> and and most of y'all just sat there. Oh, I, I mean, y'all made excuses for him. But see, this is no different than Trump running True Social. It's no different than Jeff Bezos buying the Washington Post. It's a propaganda tool used to influence the masses. And it works great for Trump because he's the leader and he gets to set the table for discussion. And, you know, free speech, which is, yeah, the First Amendment, that was supposed to be implemented in order to protect the unpopular speech. That's not allowed on hashtag truth social. So, all right, I'm still getting up to speed on this, but the implications are vast and the eerie perfection of the way this piece seems to slot into the center of several puzzles. And he's talking about the antibody response that we're going to get into in this article. I 100% agree. Now he's saying it's somewhat speculative on my part. And later he says it's, it's, um, Oh, not conclusion conclusive. I think it is conclusive. I go, you know, a little further out on the skinny branches than the bad cat here. Um, I wouldn't say it's definitive though. Like it could still be something else that comes out of left field. But I think the evidence that we're seeing here is, is incredibly compelling. It's the whole heteroduction idea that the ethical skeptic discusses. It's pulling all these pieces together, connecting dots in ways that are solid and make sense and explain what's happening and also predict what's happening. He's going to get into, I think some of his quotes, or we're going to read some stories where the whole medical freedom community, MFM, which is not just a, um, a group in, uh, what is it? Uh, Craigslist, uh, encounters or something. What I can't remember what it's called. Uh, it's the medical freedom movement, which is kind of these group of dissenters that have been calling out the propaganda and the lies related to these COVID injections. Um, okay. So what do we have here? Well, this study came out, it's class switch towards non-inflammatory spike specific IgG4 antibodies. Don't worry if you don't know what that means after repeated SARS-CoV-2 mRNA injections, they call them vaccinations. They're not vaccines. Um, okay. And he's, he's referencing that study and saying, you know, it's kind of what's going on here while a complex system is remarkably simple and may well be the mechanism that ties together antigenic fixation slash OAS, which is the original antigenic sin, meaning the first one you're exposed to is kind of the most important because that trains the immune system response. Okay. Uh, and that, and how that relates to long COVID effect, organ damage, and persistent excess deaths in the COVID vax world, because that's what's happening. The vaccinated are getting sick over and over again. I talked about it with my family at Thanksgiving. Have my cousin, who I described as Mr. Clean, because you know he's super healthy and athletic and all this. He got really sick. His wife, who's boosted, she got really sick. Could barely talk after that. Her sister, who's vaccinated. She's had this cough for I don't know how many weeks now that just sounds terrible. And there's people everywhere that are getting sick. They're having trouble clearing the illness. And it's like their immune system isn't working. Well, this is the puzzle piece that drops right in the center of that and I think really connects some dots here. So we've been repeatedly told that these vaccine boosters induce antibody response as though that proves efficacy and in order to sidestep the need for clinical data. I've, you know, this number go up. It's good. I, we're winning here, right? No, 
But the reality is much more complex. Just making antibodies means little. You need to know how well they work, produce the wrong ones, and you get antigenic fixation and vaccine-advantaged virus. That's the whole ADE thing um, where the immune system responds and the virus is able to sort of adapt around it and actually use that to up uh, to hijack the immune system and get into new areas of the body and cause all sorts of new problems. This is a known and knowable problem with leaky vaccines. And we, you know, when they were talking about the vaccine early, early days, like two and a half, three years ago, we were reading this, the stories about Merrick's disease in chickens and the leaky vaccines. But there are other issues one can run into as well, particularly what the types and roles of antibodies elicited are and what's going on in boosters appears worrying. Okay, so we've got this data here. So those of you that are watching can see it here on the screen. There's four scatter graphs here and they've got each category here. They've got before the shot. So before they get the first COVID injection, they've got post first dose, post second dose, FU, which is follow up post second dose. Now that's defined in the study as 210 days after the second shot and the third FU is 180 days after the third shot. So three months post booster. Okay. And the four charts show IgG one through four. So what you need to know about this, and we'll go into a little more detail, but IgG one and three are the ones that do the majority of the neutralization of COVID, right? So those are the two that you want to see. And IgG4 is a little bit different. It's one that you would, uh, you would see in the blood if somebody was stung by a bee and their body's trying to prevent them from going into anaphylactic shock. Okay. So it's more for an allergen or some kind of toxic substance that the body's dealing with that tells the immune system to shut down and kind of ignore this then it is something that's going to go out and kill a virus. And I'm sure many of you are starting to already connect the dots and like, well, Sam, that wouldn't that kind of be a problem? And the answer is yes, yes, it would. So it says this looks like uh, three out of four IgG antibodies are up. So if we accept antibodies equals efficacy, this looks great. Now, here's where it gets into IgG3 is 42% of neutralization, but only 3% of mass. And what the Mouseketeers, and he's referring to, the, I think this data is from mouse studies, want you to see is that the red line that is being pushed as efficacy, and what he's referring to is this chart A right here, and you see a, a red line sloping up, and that's showing, uh, I think that's a combined kind of antibody count with after each dose, and what they're trying to show here is, well, number go up. It just, with each shot, it just keeps going up. But that doesn't tell the whole story right? Because when you look at graph C down here, there's these two red boxes here. This is by antibody type. So you've got IgG1, which is uh, post second shot, it's up. And the follow-up, it's up. The, the post third shot is up. The post, post fourth shot, or the third follow-up, sorry, three months after the booster, it's still up, but you see those little, there's some blue dots, and then there's a lot of gray dots. Those gray dots represent breakthrough infections, people who got sick with COVID, okay? And uh, there's IgG3, which is the one that's doing half of the 
neutralizing of the virus. Uh, it's up a little bit post second shot and the second follow-up, but by the third and the third follow-up, it's, it's practically zero, especially in the ones in that group that get COVID. And then when you look at IgG4, the one for things like bee stings and, you know, allergens, you can see after the second shot, it's still pretty low, but the follow-up 210 days later, they're starting to grow. You're getting a lot of IgG4 antibodies. And after the third shot, they're way up. And then after the third follow-up, three months after the booster, they're even more up and you've got a lot of breakthrough infections. Now you put those two pieces together and what it shows you, at least, you know, what I think it shows, and maybe there's some people in the audience that want to debate this, but it seems to me like the immune system is switching from seeing this as a virus and instead seeing it as a toxin. And it is eliciting these IgG4 antibodies. Now, he, the, the bad cat goes on, Elgato Malo goes on. What we're seeing here is near total elimination of IgG3 response in the boosted, especially in those gray circles who got breakthrough infections. That was the most potent vector. That's a big loss. That was doing the sterilization. IgG4 response is way up, especially in the gray dots, which indicate a breakthrough infection. And there's the numbers. Now, here's where he describes what's happening with IgG4. The role of IgG4 in IgG4-RD could be pathogenic, protective, or a fortuitous marker of an apparent inflammatory response. Something unusual is going on here. Beekeepers and patients after allergen immunotherapy possess high serum IgG4 protective against anaphylactic reactions. The antibodies are pathogenic, the IgG4 antibodies. IgG4 antibodies inhibit clearance of tumor cells or the invader in melanoma and uh, hemolithic infections, if I said that right. So again, they're contributing to cancer. What does Dr. Cole do? How did he find that he started getting all sorts of skin melanomas that he's looking at and seeing oh, there's something going on here. IgG4 alone can be pathogenic, but may also dampen the more harmful effects of IgG1 when directed against the same epitopes. So if the IgG4 are responding to the spike protein, the same or, or the, the COVID virus, the same ones that the IgG1 are, well, that's, uh, that's kind of a problem. IgG4 acts as a form of shepherd for chronic exposure to things that should not always be pathogens. You get irritated by cat dander and your body responds with histamines and inflammation, but binding by something like IgG4 would attenuate or even stop that response. Okay. IgG4 is not about removing a pathogen. It's about creating a tolerance by preventing your body from attacking it, whatever it has bound to. This may be fine for peanuts, but for a replicating respiratory pathogen with a high organ affinity, it could be an all-access arson pass to burn you down while you fail to elicit any effective immune response. See what he's saying? Mistaking a virus for an allergen is a very, very bad outcome. So essentially, over time, with these repeated exposures, here's some more spikes, here's some more spikes, here's two versions of spikes now. 
you're training your immune system over time to think of this, to view this thing as just sort of some environmental toxin, not a virus. So then when the virus comes along that can use that response and the, the IgG4 antibodies attached to it and tell the body, hey, no, nah, just ignore this. It's all good. It's free to go around and infect and transfect cells over and over and over again and multiply rapidly. And the body is not producing an immune response. So you've got people that are, their organs are being damaged over time and they feel okay. And until one day the damage becomes too great for their body to sustain and boom, they die suddenly. Do you see the problem here? This is, and this is where you get the nasty OAS issues I've been banging on about for a year or more that keep showing up in the data, and we've been covering those right along with them. And it may explain the surge in relative risk when boosters were applied, and here's a chart. When you go to three doses, the likelihood of catching COVID against the unvaccinated, way higher, way higher. This also coincided with a shift in the variant, right? So is that the virus taking advantage of OAS and this antigenic fixation. I've been presuming that we're looking at viral escape as an evolutionary force selecting for vaccine-advantaged viral strains, but this IgG4 issue adds a whole new wrinkle or just what this pathway may be, how it's doing it, right? The immune system is telling the body to stand down to a virus that is ravaging your cells, taking them over and producing more virus. Leaky non-sterilizing vaccines are exceedingly dangerous. There's a reason we don't use them. Viruses can still replicate and spread, get forced towards variants that take advantage of a vaccine, and it's having locked into in you into one narrow response vector. And if they can't can find variants that elicit no IgG3 response and lots of IgG4, they get to run riot. And if you've created a widespread homogeneous herd immunity profile that can be taken advantage of, you're really in for it. Everybody gets this and no one can generate sound immunity. This would be entirely unprecedented in human history. And of course, again, all the way up here, what is the data showing us? That that is exactly what's happening. That is exactly what's happening. IgG3, the sterilizing antibodies over there, plummet. Stop, really stop getting produced. Meanwhile, IgG4 antibodies that are more for like environmental toxin or something start going up and climbing after the second shot and really after that third booster throws them way up. And then in both cases, people start getting COVID. Why? because their immune system is being told to stand down while the viruses run riot throughout their body and start doing damage to which they're not aware of because there's no immune response. The immune response is to say, ignore this. It's fine. Everything's fine as it kills cell after cell after cell in your body. So, okay. I think that's absolutely what's happening. I, I would say it's conclusive. That was a word I was looking for. Elgato Malo is still, you know, we need more data. This isn't, we can't really say for sure. I wouldn't say it's definitive, not proven. Here it is. Uh, 
oh wait, did I miss a section here? Yes, I have. <laughs> okay, let's keep going. My apologies. Uh, what is this? Okay, yeah, he was just referencing his uh, antigenic fixation article. Uh, this proposed method of action could be telling us uh, a ton about all the observed issues with excess mortality all over the high vax regions about the fact that it takes the vax longer to clear the COVID virus and they carry higher viral loads and they experience mild seeming symptoms, but then often see some other pathology emerge with sudden severity because of what I just explained. If your immune system is being told to stand down and ignore the virus, the virus can hang around a lot a long time and do a lot of damage and you're not really going to notice it. You won't get the inflammation and perhaps fever. You're walking around infected and contagious. You're the super spreader they warned us about and told us that, oh, it's the unvaccinated that are the super spreaders when it turns out that's not true at all. But with no sense that you are. It explains the Cleveland clinical data uh, showing more that more doses of the vax leads to more COVID so that many have been passing around as of late. And the higher the COVID hospitalization rates in the vulnerable, we're seeing year on year in many bellwether locations, you know, like New York, the, the, the liberal strongholds where everybody took the injections. There is clearly something very wrong going on with the COVID vaccines. If they ever reduced spread or contraction of COVID, they now seem to multiply it. If ever they reduced all-cause mortality, which is not proven at all in their approval studies, they now seem associated with a higher society-scale mortality rates, and these rates appear to be persistent, which they are. You know, We've been looking at uh, the ethical skeptic and the data that he's producing and the run rates in the 7,000 per week. And he says it's about 10 days until their sort of last excuse that they can use runs out and all of a sudden now they're left with six, 7,000 excess deaths a week that they can't explain what happens. Then the narrative comes crashing down. Hopefully who knows though. Okay. It's time the health agencies, especially those with really good data, like the UK, Sweden, Israel, etc., stop playing, hide the ball and started releasing all cause, all cause mortality data stratified by vaccine status. Well, I don't think I need to tell Elgato Malo this, but that shit ain't going to happen. Okay. They've had every opportunity to come out and come clean and start telling the truth. They have shown nothing but contempt for the publics that they claim to serve. Okay. They have lied to you. They have uh, misled you. They have misrepresented outright fabricated data studies, deleted data. These are criminals engaged in mass murder. If these hypocrites are, oh, sorry, if these hypotheses are inaccurate, <clears throat> then let's put them to bed. I really do not want to see this outcome proven out. It's objectively awful and the ramifications would be horrific. But given that health officials, especially in the U.S., are still pushing these products aggressively, if this is going on, we need to know. This is not something you want to be in the dark about. Well, that ain't happening. This is not a difficult analysis, but we need the data to make it definitive. The ongoing failure to provide it or even seem interested really starts to seem to stand as indictment. The purpose of public health is to, supposed to be to serve the public, not to keep it in the dark. Well, yeah. That's never been true. They serve themselves, all of them. Trump, the Democrats, the Republicans, 
governments. They serve themselves, not you. And the sooner you wake up to that reality, the sooner we can start living in a more peaceful society. I'm so, so sick of people, you know, just being so brainwashed, they don't realize they're like, well, if we didn't have these psychopathic mass murderers robbing us and threatening our lives, who would protect us from the bad people? We need governments. It's just like, folks, can you not see what's happening here? Are you really so in the dark by your own choosing because it's so uncomfortable to think, to consider that maybe the government schools lied to you, propagandized you, programmed you to believe in them, and the whole thing is a lie? What is it, $1.7 trillion? And they spent big handouts for their you know, enforcers that go and do the shakedowns. Hey, we haven't gotten your protection money here, so we're going to need some of that or we're going to have to take your property and put you in a cage to protect you. But yeah, if we can just get the right people, that's going to fix it. <laughs> okay, Dr. Akhan Saeed. Now, he's talking about what's happening with the COVID conspiracy, right? And there's been all kinds of infighting going on here. This is kind of why I left the space. I, just, I don't want to spend time debating these idiots. I, you know, some of them I'll make an exception for, like Hex pointing out that that was a heart scheme created by Richard Hartwin, which, by the way, get your Hex folks down to like in the pennies now. <laughs> Pretty soon you'll be able to buy it for a fraction of a penny, just like in the early days, except there won't be a con man uh, promoting it and getting people to send them their hard-earned money to drive the price back up. It'll just keep going down and down and down. But uh, Hex is definitely not a scam. Okay. <laughs> so he's pointing out here, it's been an interesting few weeks in the COVID conspiracy arena. Yes, that's us apparently. Reports of infighting abound, which is bizarre because most of what we have been predicting has come to fruition, particularly the atrocide fomented by governments with a combination of lockdowns, masks, and the worst vaccines ever. What is atrocide? As the act of killing a patient by medical treatment, <laughs> which is funny because there's a time when the doctors went on strike. The chiropractors loved this story. And uh, what, what the data started showing is that the longer they were on strike, the more people's health improved. And they're like, we better get back to work before they realize they don't need us. So you would think Team Reality, a.k.a. the Mouse Army, would be chilling on a beach sipping margaritas from their told-you-so mugs. Not so, apparently. It doesn't matter that J.J. Cooley was criticizing his good friend, Charles Rixley, on his stream, both uh, because both of these guys are right. Charles is right, so this is some of the infighting that's going on that he's pointing out, saying stop being distracted. It's just a distraction. It really doesn't matter. It's kabuki theater. So, and JJ, that's Giga Own Biological, love his show. Charles Rixley, he's one of the, one of the D-Med guys, former military, uh, you know, a lot of relevant experience, really sharp guy, knows what he's talking about as well. 
And Dr. Saeed's pointing out, Charles is right that the viral sequence released as the origin of the pandemic was manufactured. And JJ was right that such a virus cannot create a lethal pandemic alone. And here's the thing where they were debating it in a live stream. It doesn't matter that Michael Serringer misinterpreted the spat on his substack and declared JJ to have rejected the lab hypothesis because he didn't. He just said it didn't matter because they could never have made a virus transmissible and lethal enough to cause the worst pandemic ever. What that means is that coronaviruses like this, even if you can get them to cause a local outbreak, don't have the genomic stability to traverse the world maintaining their virulence, right? They would not be deadly as they moved around populations. It doesn't matter that Robert Malone is suing the Briggins uh, for daring to question him, even though they were entitled to do it. Is Robert Malone right to do this? Maybe, maybe not. It doesn't matter. It's a sideshow. $25 million he's suing them for. See, what's happening here is these people have become very popular. They have quite the following. They have a lot of subscribers on Substack now. And they want to protect that empire. And it's kind of why I'm like, all right, time to exit stage left here. It doesn't matter that Majid Narwitz and Alexandros Marinos are having a public Twitter spat over Elon Musk. Alessandros is right and Majid is right. They are just talking at cross purposes. It's another sideshow. And this is, I don't know, who cares, right? It really doesn't matter that my friend Matthew Crawford fell out with Steve Kirsch because either Matthew is the statistical rock that I believe him to be or his many detailed analysis analyses will be exposed as incorrect. They haven't. They won't be. He always brings the receipts. And we've had that's Matthew Crawford from Rounding the Earth. He's the one that looked at the DMED data. We're going to read some uh, in-depth uh, Substack articles about that as well. He was on the show, a guest on the show, went through. And if you remember, showed that they went back and started altering the previous three years of history, recategorizing things and redoing um, things to basically create this Orwellian version of reality where they made it look like what's happening now is always what's been happening, right? That was Winston's job was to go and, oh, the Chaco rations increased by 5% when in fact they decreased at 5%, but he went back and changed it. So it looks like they're now getting more, even though they're getting less. <laughs> um, that's what they were doing with the military data. Now it also got misinterpreted and I'm going to explain that. I finally have kind of wrapped my head around it. Thanks to uh, another Substack article here. <sighs> so, okay. It doesn't matter that Alex Bernson thinks that those who believe ivermectin has antiviral activity are deranged loons because the evidence here base is so strong that Bernson ended up with egg on his face and those paying attention don't have to pay attention to him anymore. And yes, I completely concur with that. I have pointed that out many a times that, you know, the guy's arrogant and just ridiculous and he's, he's pushing, he's got blinders on and tunnel vision like so many people get in this space. It doesn't matter that <clears throat> Kassam versus Hazard case was lost. What mattered was that the case highlighted the abject failure of the courts that led the judge, Robert Beach Jones, telling the population that coercion is still consent. Yeah, we can threaten your job. And if you take the, the shot, 
Well, that's you giving your consent. Of course, it's against the Nuremberg Treaty, but I, you know that's not enforceable. Doesn't matter. It's all fine. It matters that Tony Nikolic put a stake in the ground showing that the courts knew that the vaccines did not reduce transmission. The infection rates were higher in the vaccinated. The evidence to justify the lockdowns, masks, and vaccines did not exist. The TGA lied that they had a lawyer in the court to hide the fact that Pfizer's barrister was acting on their behalf. <clears throat> Deaths have been, let me get a drink here. Deaths have been reported from administration of the COVID vaccines. The main witness from the government received 65 million in government grants and had never treated a single COVID patient. Oops, that was their expert. And of course, it didn't matter, right? It showed, it exposed them to be an absolute fraud. You are not going to get justice in the government courts because they're part of the machine. It's the mafia with good PR. But in the end, they still do whatever the fuck they want with your wealth, with your life, with your freedom. Goes on, it doesn't matter whether, <coughs> whether ivermectin works or doesn't work in COVID or any other viral infection. What matters is that the doctors were using ivermectin like Pierre Corey, Brian Tyson, Zevzelenko, Dr. Lin Fen, actually bothered to treat patients, not some anonymous protocol. He's referring to the CDC treatment protocol, which says you can't use any of the stuff that worked, <laughs> which meant that their patients also got antibiotics to treat the secondary pneumonia that was actually the cause of elderly deaths. And that's here's Jicky the Mouse pointing this out, that azithromycin is the thing that was probably reducing the deaths, right? What does matter then? Work out that you know, and the rest is irrelevant because there is enough there to make a case for mass arrests of people in government who conspired to a demo side. And I, I don't, I'm not going to hold my breath for that to happen with all I've seen. He's going through kind of what we know in some countries, overall death rate was normal for 2020, which means the impact of the pandemic was either minor or a pull forward effect. Uh, he goes through some more here, but I'm going to skip down to number seven. The protocols for maintaining post-viral pneumonia were changed in April 2020 to remove antibiotics. And there's uh, Jicky the Mouse pointing this out. Back in 2019, May, why did doctors really accept not treating 80-year-olds for post-viral pneumonia in 2020-2022 when it had been standard of prior care? Because they were told to in 2019 by an institution called Aura 2019, right? Eight, if you're an elderly person with post-viral pneumonia and you are denied antibiotics, you will most likely die. The overwhelming majority of deaths in China were patients who were treated in Wuhan under Wuhan protocols. Mainland China had a near zero fatality rate from a disease that was supposedly novel and originated there. How can this be? The same disease outside of Wuhan, Hubei, had a 7.5x lower risk of death than the disease in Wuhan. This is not possible by chance, right? 2.9 versus 0.4%. Why? Because the treatment protocol 
what I've referred to as their death care protocol is what was killing people. China, the supposed epicenter of the novel untreatable coronavirus, had the lowest COVID mortality rate per million population in the world in 2020 and 2021. This is not possible with the story as presented. It would be the most virulent where it first breaks out, right? On the basis of the novel coronavirus pandemic with a high fatality rate, the whole world, everywhere but China, was subjected to lockdowns, mask mandates, forced vaccinations with experimental gene therapy vaccines that didn't work and caused more deaths than they ever could have. Number 15 is the COVID deaths did not need to happen. The people affiliated with Andrew Owen of Magic were exposed by Tesla as admitting to undue financial influence in rejecting ivermectin as a therapeutic, but ivermectin was just part of the problem because the ivermectin protocols came with antibiotics, doxycycline or azithromycin, which is what prevented the bacterial pneumonia, which is what was killing the people. So it was these doctors who failed to treat their patients, which they knew how to do in 2019, but now that the whole system has been taken over by the big corporations, they get to push these treatment protocols and they are in bed with the government, with the CDC. Because this whole apparatus of government has been weaponized and turned against the people. And getting the right people in there is not going to fix it, folks. We have to grow and evolve beyond this flawed idea that one group of people should be given a monopoly on, over, on violence over everyone else. The following is my assessment of the situation taking into, uh, into account the above. So he's saying, rather than letting an unstable real-life RNA coronavirus loose on the world, which would l- largely regress and flop as a bioweapon, Uh, What they did is create this scare, right? Create this pandemic. I've talked about this and with Fauci, it was remdesivir as well that was causing people's deaths. The kidney failure, remember they put them on IV while they give them this uh, drug that, you know, causes fluids to build up and they basically drowned in their own fluid. No, that was COVID pneumonia. Sorry, he didn't make it. Then they either withheld antibiotic treatment from cases in Wuhan only killing people or only reported the cases that failed to respond to antibiotics, producing a selection bias in the reports. Either way, this produced an artificially inflated death rate amongst cases in Wuhan that was not replicated in the rest of China. And thus the fear pandemic was born. That's how they persuaded people of this lethal pandemic virus that the CCP created. One cases of once cases of viral infection, which might have just been circulating coronaviruses because the PCR tests were not specific enough to detect COVID, were only seen in other countries. Propaganda was mobilized, seated by the CCP and lapped up by the West via Tony Fauci, who's in their pocket, leveraged, no doubt, to make sure that antibiotics normally used in post-viral pneumonia were not used in post-COVID pneumonia. The masks were propaganda to keep the fear alive. The lockdowns were designed to neutralize non-Chinese economies such that the only economy that grew in 2020 was China's. Once those two pillars of fake pandemic had been implemented, the pathway was laid for the introduction of the emergency vaccines. 
for which the mRNA gene therapy technology was ready to be used because, I mean, it's been in play for 30 years. They've been researching it, right? It's 100% safe and effective. Well, no, no. In fact, every time they tried to bring it to market, they failed because the challenge studies reveal that the animals get sick and die in large numbers that would never be approved. But don't worry, this time it's going to work. We don't even need to test it and wait and see or do the challenge studies. Trust us, it'll be fine. The West, West continued down the same fake pathway. They ignored the fact that mainland China refused the mRNA vaccines. How many of you knew that, right? China did not use any of these mRNA vaccines. They developed traditional vaccines for the COVID virus, and that's what they're forcing everyone to accept. Not because they want to protect them from the virus, but because they wanted to implement their health passports, which they have used to silence dissent, turning the, uh, the phones or the passports of people at protests red. So they're locked out of their, their apartment buildings. They can't work. They can't shop. They're sleeping homeless in the streets, some of them. It's great. It's a great plan for humanity. This is what we need is a government that eventually continues growing and growing and becomes so powerful they can do that, isn't it? I mean, wouldn't that fix everything, folks? If we can just get the right people, we can turn this ship around because that's where they're all heading right now. And if you believe that line of bullshit, you're watching the wrong show. <laughs> In doing so, the world fell in line with the global diktats supplied by the magic app protocols, which told doctors not to use antibiotics in post-COVID pneumonia. And in doing that, the world's doctors collaborated, knowingly or unknowingly, in a worldwide iteracide that was likely entirely preventable. Yep, I agree. So there's another interesting piece. So, you know, I started with the Elgato Mallow part about the IgG4 because that's a big thing. I think that's happening to a lot of these people who took these injections and got boosted and boosted again. It just, the more you take, the worse it gets. We've been saying that for over a year, right? Stop taking them. If you've taken some, don't take any more. The more you take, the worse it gets, right? And now we've got the data proving that. And now we've also got another puzzle piece here. It was the death care treatment protocol, treatment, is the death care protocols implemented and forced by the CDC on the corporatized, institutionalized hospital systems that threatened not only doctors' jobs, but their licensing because they leveraged the licensing boards to push the agenda, to push the false narrative as well. And they fell right in line because they didn't want their license threatened either. This is why you can't have a monopoly government mandating practice of medicine or any of this, any of these other things, because they will weaponize it and turn it against you. But if we can just get the right people, that won't happen, right? Tell me some more about that, Trump. Very good. Very, very good people. Okay. And then <laughs> I like this one. This is uh rounding the earth. Uh, this is Matthew Crawford again. <clears throat> he's done a four-part series on Died Suddenly, the Stu Peters show. And I actually uh, got into it with his audience. I, I can't remember if it was on Gab or, or where, but they were pushing that 
that whole narrative and I said something that just blew it out of the water and, and what are you, a Soros uh, operative? <laughs> I'm like, you have no idea who you're talking to, sir. And they're getting the same kind of response because these people have been propagandized and manipulated just like the, the MAGA crowd, right? Okay, so he's saying here, uh, click here to see the other articles on chaos agents in particular. If you haven't read parts one through three, you may want to start at the beginning, familiarize yourself with the terminology and acronyms. He's talking about chaos agents uh, and the story. So uh, what he's pointing out is you had this attorney, Tom Rents, right, who uh, is the one doing these lawsuits and has the DMED whistleblowers and all this stuff. And by the way, I've reached out to Tom Rents and uh, multiple times uh, inviting him on the show and <clears throat> he's never responded. And by the way, Steve Kirsch, same thing. He actually responded and agreed, sent me to his booker and then they blew me off. And I know he did that with other whistleblowers and people as well. So we're going to go into a lot of this. I, I know I want to point out like Dr. Saeed talking about, it doesn't matter. There's this infighting going on, but heteroduction is really the solution here. Like being willing to throw things out and look at everything critically, I think is the missing piece that gets us to the highest truth. Okay. And so I want to point out kind of what's happening here, what these guys are seeing. And I even take issue with a few of the things that they're pointing out here, but I agree with most of it. Okay. So they're pointing out um, that they're pushing there. You have this Tom Rents and Lee Dundas and several others and Stu Peters and, and more pushing this plainly incorrect view of the DMED issue. And uh, they've been told that it's, false that what they're saying is factually false okay and i think it's important to realize that this is going on and i think you'll see why here in just a minute he's go he's saying uh, yes pulmonary emboli are up in the military and with a stark association to vaccination this is a convincing chart right well all um we all see the problem without having to pretend the rents jan hearing was uh, hearing data was valid, right? So what is the end result of promoting data that we know to be invalid? So here's a chart. It's showing uh, PEs, heart attacks, and uh, it's been increasing over time. And it's, you know, it peaked back in August of 2021. And this data only goes to October of 2022, but I, I think it's continued increasing. Uh, and And that's what he was talking about there. So People are responding saying, well, I mean, okay, the numbers are wrong, but the general message is correct. So it's fine. Let's, you know, what's the big deal here? Let's look a little more closely at the Vermont data. So this is one of the things I think that was cited in this um, Died Suddenly documentary that was put out. Once you get into 2021, something changes. Instead of deaths falling back to zero like they did in 2020, the deaths keep on substantially rising for an additional four months before settling into a baseline of very low level number of deaths, but never returning to the zero deaths level of the lull in 2020. 
In other words, the natural seasonality of COVID was broken. This is what this Vermont data was showing. Finally, starting in the middle of August, the COVID deaths explode, and this trend is still continuing through all of 2022 to date. And of course, we've we talked about um, the ethical skeptic, and he uncovered what the CDC is doing to go back and reclassify deaths as COVID deaths and moving the other one to a multiple cause of death category to reduce the number of heart uh, cardiovascular related deaths and reduce the number of cancer deaths so that they can hide the truth of what's going on. Remember the whole R codes and leaving those and not processing those like they normally and historically have done so that that can be a dumping ground to hide the fact that we're at a 22 Sigma uh, increase in cancers, I believe, and I forget what the number is for um, cardiovascular heart-related issues. Matthew goes on, the same pattern emerges as with the valid DMED data, increases in deaths following the rollout of the vaccines, and as the as people mandated to get the vaccine, take their first dose doses in August, the data is fully verifiable, right? So there's what, there's the study showing the deaths. Uh, yes, pulmonary emboli are up and he's saying the DMED data, it shows the same thing. There is an increase. There is a safety signal there. Something is happening, but it's not what's being promoted. And that's a problem. And I want you guys to understand why, how that's used against us. Uh, the relationship between so many cardiac and circulatory conditions points strongly to the experimental quasi-vaccine rollout. Dr. Long puts a target on the medical freedom movement, MFM, and the died suddenly documentary by ignoring the reality that there was a glitch in the database, whatever or not, whether or not it was intentionally seeded as I believe to sow confusion, okay? So this may have been a ploy to discredit the MFM community. Uh, whether or not it was, uh, let's see, will she be fact-checked in this basis, deemed pants on fire, and then the entire MFM has to deal with being censored anytime we bring up the surge in pulmonary emboli or otherwise face castigation from peers, right? So what is he pointing out? Well, they're going out and promoting this knowingly false data that the increases are this much when they're really not, okay? And uh, what that will do, the fact checkers will then come in and say, nope, here's the truth, and they will set the record straight, and they will use that to discredit. If you, When I used to debate Debunk the Funk on Twitter, that was exactly his strategy. That was his tactic was to find an example that would discredit it and then throw the baby out with the bathwater. And he's suggesting that this might be being done intentionally, that there could be some ulterior motive, someone funding this from behind the scenes in order to protect themselves. Will incorrect data be used in court cases and cost us all during an important moment? This was only one of several charts Dr. Long presented using the invalid January hearing data, but there are additional problems. During that same presentation in Alaska, she used a chart that overlays the faulty DMED numbers from January 2022 queries onto VAERS data as if this is some sort of demonstration of the accuracy of the data or claim that overall ambulatory reports were up around 1,000%. 
So <clears throat> he goes in and claims there is no correlation. And he's pointing out here the VAERS reports, typical is this little circle. And then the 2021 VAERS reports, much, much larger circle because we had so many injury, vaccine injury reports. And then you've got all uh, illness ambulatory reports. And he's saying this pool over here of the VAERS data is not comparable to the total. It's a, it's a small fraction, a subset. You can't apply this to the bigger picture. Yeah, uh, yeah, okay. But I, I think they're being a, a little too skeptical here. And, and it, we, we'll get into a little bit more. So uh, Matthew goes on, sitting around at my computer looking for Teresa, inter Teresa Long interviews all year. I found this one dated in April 2022 with Stu Peters in which she claimed the incorrect explosion of pulmonary emboli. Now, I might have misstated that a little bit <laughs> as a joke to Matthew in case he watches this. It was weeks before that I had explained my findings to her. In fact, we talked about the data a dozen times through the end of March. So this is Matthew talking with Lee Dundas, or I'm sorry, Teresa Long, who was the uh, military whistleblower. She was grounding pilots and... Um, she was suspect, she was allowed to still do her job and, and provide medical care, but only to healthy pilots, not any of the sick pilots. They got sent to somebody else who would, uh, you know, follow orders and step in line, right? And do as they're told. It pains me to have to share all of Dr. Long's errors. Oh, hold on here. Um, it was weeks before that when I had explained my findings to her in fact, we talked about the data a dozen times through the end of March. Strangely, come May, I explained them to her again after she claimed that I had not previously, as if we never talked about it. And he mentions this small chat room that she's in where these this data was being debated and they were hashing out this issue. I'm in Operation Uplift, which is another group that Matthew and a few others belong to, JJ and a bunch of others are in there. And they, that's what they do. They kind of hash this stuff out. Uh, it pains me to have to share all of Dr. Long's errors like this, but after so many months of being at her and everyone's disposal, spending hours on multiple occasions explaining the data to her only to see her ignore the problems in a way that strikes me as quite deliberate, I have to call her out. I sympathize with her goal of pushing back up against the shot but just as with every other aspect I've critiqued about this documentary, proceeding with the stock, the shock numbers over the truth is a losing game. It destroys the credi credibility of the medical freedom movement along among the all important center, you know, people who are undecided about this. You've got the folks that are four times have had four shots. They're double boosted. They're, you're not going to convince them. They're going down with the ship, but there is this middle that's uneducated, that can be swayed, and they need to be told the truth, not the fantasy that gets them all worked up. It's been demoralizing for me uh, to watch a thousand hours of my team's work swirl down a political drain. If she understands that, she is a chaos agent. If she doesn't, she needs to pause and reflect on why a chaos agent might choose exactly the path she's taken. Like he's not saying she's doing this intentionally to sow discord and, and doubt and give the fact checkers ammunition in order to attack us and 
discredit and throw the baby out with the bathwater. But if she's not, this is exactly how it would be done, is what he's pointing out there. Tellingly, some of her other whistleblowers, some some of the other whistleblowers have held back about the fact that she originally presented DMED numbers are clearly out of whack with historical DMED data. Okay. So now I have to ask the interesting question, was invalid data promoted just for shock value, such as in the widely distributed and viewed documentary like Died Suddenly, or was there an intention in protecting people in the DOD or the health database contractor Unisant uh, from proper investigation? And there's, uh, this is Jicky, uh, not Jicky, this is uh, Dr. Akhan Saeed in his Telegram channel saying, uh, Oh, yes, the dodgy data set up to make us, well, our colleagues look crazy. And he's talking about the Unisant contractor that handles the DMED data. He thinks, yeah, that's exactly what they're doing. And in reference to Senator Johnson, as I've mentioned in previous articles, I've never spoken with Senator Johnson, but I essentially dismissed, I was essentially dismissed by his staffers after walking them through the truth the part we can determine anyway, and is what he did with us on his show. And I I thought he was very credible, made a strong case for what he was pointing out. And, uh, you know, was thorough in his analysis, just as um, Dr. Saeed does as well. Obviously, I'm not the only person who feels this is important. So here's uh, Mark Reeder saying, please ask DOD officials if the commander-in-chief ordered the DMED data to be falsified in the name of national security, would it be a lawful order? So if the president comes in and says, falsify that data, would that order be lawful? If they said yes or refuse to answer, we know the data is untrustworthy. If they say no, whistleblowers may emerge. So that's a way to kind of trap them. (sighs) I'd hope that Steve Kirsch could not be nudged into dodging the issue any longer. So, This is something that Steve Kirsch has known about as well. Remember that Steve was highly interested in the DMED data in early February, but suddenly silent about my findings many months thereafter. Steve apparently tried to engage in a Twitter debate with Debunk the Funk, which hardly seems necessary at this point. (laughs) Now, I watched that and I... I think Matthew brought up some great points at the same time. I I think they were both talking past each other and neither was addressing the other's points or acknowledging the other's points. And it was really kind of, uh, I I just hope that it would have been better, but it was not. uh, I don't know. I don't have the same kind of, oh, he creamed him uh, thought as a lot of uh, this crowd does. Okay. Does this really feel as important as figuring out who might be playing numbers games with the military's health database? Steve also does have time to respond to detractors have died suddenly, just not me or my criticisms or any of the criticisms that aren't softballs to bat back. And very much guilty of that. Like, I'm just... On the one hand, Steve Kirsch has done some great things to raise awareness and ask some critical questions. On the other, uh, I just shake my head. Like he keeps banging his head against the same brick wall. He's testified how many times to like the vaccine safety committees as if we can just show them the data that will convince them. And what does it do? 
it gets I don't know, tens of thousands of views. And the people who watch that are the people who already understand this. Like they already get it. It's preaching to the choir as Matthew was talking about earlier above. Of course, I go on there, get a, probably over a million views with my comments to them. Why? Because I didn't step into their ring and debate their paradigm. I trashed it. I absolutely trashed their paradigm and exposed them and left them standing naked and embarrassed there. And that's why it got a million views. That reached out to the middle, the persuadable middle. And, and it also set the record straight for the truth. And it was Dr. Saeed was one of the people who helped me with that behind the scenes to get it so factually accurate that it was really impeccable. And that's why it went so viral. I could have given them the stats and well, the vaccines are killing more than, than they're saving. Here's the numbers. And well, they don't fucking care. Right. But Steve doesn't figure that out. He keeps, well, if I can just do this again, this time will be different. And it's not. Why doesn't the medical freedom movement know all this? This is like a parasocial uh, Dunbar hacking. When a small number of people soak up media attention, time economy, economics they create the opportunity to socially engineer perceptions of the truth like trump is doing with truth social right it's just a more modern technically savvy version of bezos buying the washington times those in good faith might see their responsibility for transparency in proportion with their popularity and of course remember the the clip that i edited to show Borla saying that he wanted to reduce the population by 50% in 2020 and how it was basically a honeypot to see who was going to take the bait. And a bunch of them did, including Alex Jones, who said he fact-checked it, checked the transcript, knew that that was a lie, and represented it to his audience as fact. Why? Because of the views, man. It's good for business right? It's good for popularity. Do you know Malone and Kirsch and some of the, they have tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of paid subscribers. They're making a pretty penny pushing this narrative and people love a good conspiracy. They love it. If I push conspiracy theories, I would, I would 10 X or more my audience because people love that. When you try and tell them the truth, then you're banned on YouTube, Prime, <laughs> Tw sorry, Twitch, canceled Prime after that, F.U., Bezos, and Amazon, and uh, now True Social, Twitter, multiple times, on and on. I'm going to be down to Gab before long. During the first few weeks, I discovered the flaws in Rents' numbers. Several members of the MFM media uh, contacted me about interviews. Then something strange and chilling happened. Each of them ghosted me one after another, after another. If both sides of a debate seem to be engaged in intentional silence about important issues, what conclusions can we draw? Fair question. In mid May, frustrated by the lack of support, I wrote one more article explaining the D med simply as fake in order to draw a bit of additional attention. As you can probably tell in my entire, in my article titles, I, shies away from that sort of sensationalism. He really does. 
But it felt necessary. In that article, I pointed out one of the consequences of a lack of broadcast of my research was Naomi Wolf repeating the factually invalid stats from the rents hearings. Okay. The next day, she called me in the morning to say that she wanted to get the story straight, which I appreciated, right? This is what she should have done, right? So we set up a time and she interviewed me about the data, but as far as I can tell, she never released it. Why? Shortly after that, on June 3rd, DMED and Naomi Wolf, somebody that I've been trying to interview for years, back when she talked about the 10 steps to close down a democracy about 10, 15 years ago. Shortly after that, on June 3rd, DMED whistleblower Dr. Sam Sigaloff interviewed me about the DMED investigation for his radio show After Hours. It appears that he still hasn't released it. Uh, he has since released interviews with uh, Todd Callender, Jane, Dr. Jane Ruby, and Dr. Chambers, you know, all people pushing the hysteria. And people are saying, Matthew, pointing out these mistakes will divide the community. You shouldn't be doing that. Isn't it good that, you know, at least people are being new people are getting to see this? Well, no, not really. Okay. And uh, this get, takes us to Josh Getz now. And I want to jump over to his critique of Died Suddenly. It's the Substack article is titled Died Suddenly is Typical Trash from Stu Peters. <laughs> And he says, people are buzzing about the new documentary died suddenly. I watched it and it made me angry. Here's why. Especially the scene where you see it being removed from a dead body in the embalming session. So he's talking about there about it had some powerful elements to it, right? It said some things that needed to be said, needed to be shown. The movie would have been far more effective if it had just focused mainly on that and dug deeper. He's talking about uh, you know, the vax noodles, as I call them, the embalmers and morticians uh, interviews, those were incredible. But, uh, you know, in his world, that's where the line should have been drawn and not crossed. Well, guess what? People wouldn't have watched it, right? For example, there is still a question as to whether the clots are what are causing people to die or if they form post-mortem. Now, I don't think that's true anymore. Uh, we, there's multiple videos of these things being pulled out of living people. So not postmortem clots can be long, but they won't stick together. You won't be able to pull them out in one long string. And when they analyzed the white stringy blood clots in air quotes, they didn't find the typical composition of blood clots. They're not red blood cells. It's not, it's something else entirely different. So uh, <clears throat> Josh goes on, it would, have, it would have been valuable to show what they're made of and to prove that they are distinct from another type of postmortem clotting, which I agree, yep. Uh, there are other things that could have been done to make a much stronger case about the clots, but unfortunately, the film taints and tarnishes the material on clots and other important information. In the opening montage, the film impersonated uh, interspaced with clips related to people dying suddenly. We see images and clips related to the following MKUltra, CIA, Project Mockingbird, the JFK assassinations, Building 7, the possibly fake moon landings, UFO, Bigfoot, the Loch Ness Monster. What was the point of introspecting, uh, interspersing <clears throat> the montage with all of this conspiracy theory fodder? Was it to plant the reader's mind that what they were about to see was on par with Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster? 
that only tinfoil hat wearing conspiracy theorists would pay attention to uh, the material in this movie, which by the way, the term conspiracy theorist was uh, created by the CIA after the JFK assassination, which it turns out they had a role in orchestrating. <laughs> Can't make this stuff up folks, but okay. On the one hand, I see what he's saying. <clears throat> it's tying this. That's one of the things that they do. I've, I've had the, I've had hit pieces done against me by the mainstream news after I, uh, confronted the TSA after the underwear bomber, you know, years ago. And they, ta they made all these claims similar to this and then interspersed clips of me with that. Right. And so the idea is let's attach all of this baggage to this guy so we can discredit him and the readers will go on watching and believing our bullshit. <clears throat> on the other hand, you want something cool. You want something that's going to appeal to your audience and, uh, you know, clips of embalmers talking about dead people, not that cool and engaging of an opening. Right. So maybe it was just a way to, you know, that, that that's why they did it. I, I don't know which it is. What other possible reason could there be to associate your movie with those things? Unless your goal was to discredit in the eyes of the observer who is not into conspiracy theories. Well, I just explained, I think. If the goal is to reach a wider audience, the documentary shoots itself in the foot in the first three minutes, even if every conspiracy theory alluded to in that montage is true. I don't know. Uh, you know, they are also discrediting the rest of us fighting against the encroaching biomedical fascism associating everything in this movie with Bigfoot, and it pisses me off. Well, here's the thing, Josh. You can't control others you can only control yourself right so you can engage in this kind of well they should do this my plan is the best plan and the one that everyone should follow well guess what they don't they don't have to follow it they can do whatever they want okay so really the strategy is to show them for who they are remember peters is the guy who brought us the now totally discredited film that tried to make the case that was COVID was deadly because it had similarities to snake venom. Remember that load of bullshit and was spread through the tainted water. And he and his team are either terrible at vetting reliable information or they are engaged in a deliberate campaign to discredit the health freedom movement. Entirely possible. You know, you had that white supremacist radio host that was like the top guy. Turned out he was working. He was an FBI informant that came out. So would they fund and back somebody like Stu Peters basically let him have free reign so that they would have fodder for, or, um, yeah, I guess fodder for the fact checkers to come in and, and throw the baby out with the bathwater and keep the normies in line. Absolutely. They would do that. Absolutely. They are doing that. And we saw that with the COVID, uh, paid influencers, that they were getting to push the, the lies and the narrative. You want to do everything you can to make sure that you've done careful due diligence on all the information and facts in the movie. If you leave low hanging fruit, false fruit to be plucked by naysayers and fact checkers to debunk, then it becomes very easy to ignore and dismiss the rest of the content. hundred percent agree with that. 
Many people have said to me something along the lines of this film is doing wonders to wake people up. So what if it isn't totally accurate or so what if it's sensationalized to be clear? I don't really have a problem with the tone of the film. Josh is saying we need to be strategic in our messaging to reach a wider audience, but it's a false dichotomy. It doesn't have to be one or the other. You can be hundred percent truthful and accurate and also craft a film with strategic messaging, right? Which yeah, you can, but, you can also end up like Steve Kirsch saying, look, I've proven this. You need to listen to me. And nobody listens to them because people don't, don't care. Don't know they should care because you're not crafting a message in a way that's even reaching them. And it turns out the team behind this movie made really simple mistakes, like including footage from a young basketball player who collapsed on a court in December 2020 before COVID vaccine rollout who didn't even die. Yep, that's, I've, we've shown that clip on the show. And the fact checkers love to attack that. Oh, see, this guy, fake news. Everything else he said is false too because we've got this one clip that's making the rounds, probably pushed by their influencer their bot network right the coverage of the dmed data this is these are some of the additional inaccuracies that he's pointing out number one is coverage of the dmed data so what they essentially did and this is where uh josh really summarized it i think did a great job is they counted every office visit instead of every diagnosis so if you were newly diagnosed with say myocarditis Every visit you and everyone else diagnosed with myocarditis had with the military health system was added up and compared to the total number of individuals who had been diagnosed with myocarditis in previous years, right? So you get myocarditis, you go to the doctor's office five times, other people go three, four, seven times, whatever it is. They added all those up and then compared it to people who were just diagnosed and only counted once in previous years and said, Oh, look, it's an 1100% increase in myocarditis in the military. That's essentially what, uh, Tom Rents, Lee Dundas, uh, uh, some of these other folks in the medical freedom movement have been pushing because it's great for views. It's great for advertisers. And you know, people are watching that they're, Oh, wow. Did you hear? That's unbelievable. And even though they know it's a lie, they've had, they've been shown that it's a lie over and over again, that it's inaccurate and incorrect and dishonest. They're not coming out, setting the record straight. They're just moving on and pretending like it didn't happen. Some of them, some of them are still pushing the lie like Stu Peters. So you have to ask the question, is this intentional? Is this a disinformation tactic? being used against us to keep the normies in line and prevent the truth from getting out. And I think, yes, I, I don't know who all's involved at what levels, but yeah, absolutely. None of the people involved in bringing the DMED scandal to light have shown the slightest interest in correcting their mistakes and did not do so for this film. So these falsehoods continue to be repeated and are now amplified by Stu Peters. Number two mistake in the film, declining birth rates in Australia. So, yeah, they're declining. However, one graph shows in the movie displays a statistic for several countries, including massive decline in birth rates in Australia, that sticks out like a sore thumb. 
Turns out that huge decline is simply due to a reporting problem where the numbers of births from December 2021 are hugely undercounted when the official statistics are released and then generally not updated until much later. So that huge decrease shown in the movie is just plain wrong. That's the PFE, the pull forward effect that uh, the ethical skeptic talks about and includes in his models, right? And is even super conservative with because there is this reporting lag before it comes in. Uh, so that's turned out to be wrong. It's not this huge drop. It's that all the births haven't been reported, but have births dropped? Yes, there's data supporting that around the world. The incredibly high miscarriage rate of in the Pfizer report to the FDA. Now, this was one that I've reported on, and I wasn't sure if I was getting it right, but I, I, I this is where I disagree with Josh, and that's okay. Um, let, let me read it to you. So he says the discussion of the high rate of miscarriage reported to the to by Pfizer to the FDA of over eighty percent completely misrepresents the data. Uh, I've seen this error repeated many times on April 30th, 2020, 2021. Pfizer prepared a post-marketing experience document to submit to the FDA, blah, blah, blah. Okay, this was the 270 unique pregnancies that were reported. We had 32 outcomes out of that those 270 pregnancies that we know about. Uh, and of those, 25 reported a miscarriage at a rate of 78%. And if you include the stillbirths and neonatal deaths, it goes up to 87.5%. And again, the, the what I talked about was, okay, we've got reports for the 32 um, deaths, but we've got the 270 total. We don't know the outcome of all these other ones. What happened, right? What happened here? We don't know. Well, Josh takes it a step further here and he's, pointing out, oh, it was horrifying, except this is not the correct interpretation of those figures. That part of the document lists all of the AE reports where the woman was pregnant. In some of those, the pregnancy was related to the AE adverse event, is what he's talking about. And in some cases, it was not. And he's referencing vaccination site pain or nausea. Now, could those be have nothing to do with the miscarriage? Yes. Could they be indications that something is going wrong in their body and it's a contributing factor to the miscarriage? Yes, absolutely. I think it could be either. And I think Josh is kind of have, has a little bit of tunnel vision here claiming that, well, clearly these are not related. And he's talking about the 140 combined reports where there, I think, was no outcome reported. The largest number of reports were either maternal exposure during pregnancy or exposure during pregnancy. That's the EDP that we've discussed, where you're around somebody who was around somebody that was around somebody that's vaccinated. I think I said that correctly. <laughs> like your husband goes to the bar, hangs out with somebody in the trial, comes home, conceives a baby with you. That's an EDP. Why? Well, because shedding, which apparently doesn't exist, which is why I got kicked off of Twitter after the White House pointed it out as misinformation, which is absolutely true because they were worried about it. The Pfizer study was worried about it. They warned the trial participants about these things. Since the jab was not initially recommended for pregnant women, giving it to pregnant women could be considered a reportable adverse event. 
even if nothing bad happened. So, okay, you give the shot and then they find out, oh, I'm pregnant. I'm not supposed to be in the trial. And then they, they uh, report that as an AE. The calculation of the miscarriage rate is totally meaningless because the denominator is unknown. You would need to know how many pregnant women received the jab in the first 20 weeks of pregnancy by the end of February 2021. We don't have any idea what that number was, but it was certainly higher than 32 or 270. Okay, I can agree with that. But I think what Josh is saying is that it's so much higher that it's this is not meaningful data. And with that, I disagree. I don't think for a second that there were 2,700 pregnancies in the, in the uh, study group, in the, in the, what was the trial group, okay? Maybe it was 300, maybe it was 500, maybe it was 800. I don't think it was two, it was 10x over that or anything. I think we've got a safety signal here, but I agree we don't have all the information. Okay, what are the chances of that uh, jabbing a woman who turns out to be pregnant will register in someone's mind as an adverse event? And then what are the chances that they will report the AE to Pfizer or to any other system that ends up in Pfizer's hands? The chances are extremely low, meaning massively underreported. Well, I disagree. They're in a trial. They're supposed to be given you know, lots of information and, and talk to about what to expect and so forth. So this is not like somebody who shows up at the CVS and gets the shot in the arm. These people are signing consent forms and doing all sorts of other things. And there's supposed to be this induction process and so on. The chances will be much higher if you are pregnant, get jabbed and then experience a miscarriage or stillbirth soon after, even though there will be heavy underreporting. And I agree with that. Somehow the information in the report has been interpreted as if Pfizer followed these pregnant women and those whose birth outcomes are known, a huge percentage had miscarriages. In some case, and that's what I pointed out, we've got, a, we've got a lot of miscarriages here, but how this is out of 270, how many of these weren't reported? We don't know what happened, so how bad is it was kind of my summation of that when it was released thanks to the lawsuit that Dr. Fenn and some of the others filed against Pfizer here in Dallas to uh, force them to release that in, I think it was nine months or whatever, instead of the 72 years that they were trying to push it out over. In some cases, I've even seen people refer to this as pregnant women from the Pfizer clinical trial. No, that's not what this is. We would need to know the total number of pregnant women. We don't know, and neither did Pfizer. So the bottom line is the information on miscarriages in the Pfizer report has been misinterpreted. Uh, That misrepresentation uh, has been repeated and amplified ad nauseum, including then died suddenly. And in fact, the reporting provides absolutely no indication of what the miscarriage rate is following COVID-19 vaccination. Uh, Absolutely no indication, bullshit. Uh, You know... Like I, there was a woman, I posted this to the Telegram group and I actually copied it to the Operation Uplift. We had a girl who is not vaccinated. She's like me, you know, very careful around who she's around, does not want to be exposed to shedding and so forth. And she's got these white um, vax noodles in her veins. She was getting a, some kind of blood cleansing treatment. They were clogging up the filter. One 
whoops, one got pulled out of her arm and there's video of this. And I posted this to the group and this is, you know, um, Josh is in there, Matthew's in there, lots of other people of that caliber are in there and they were all extremely, oh, this Facebook account doesn't seem right. And like, I had already looked at all that stuff. She had several thousand followers had like pictures of family and so forth. If somebody, if this is a bot account or some intelligent agency psyop or something, they, they put a lot of effort into this. The friends were also not bots. This person's interacting and so forth. I think this is a real person. And I actually traded some messages with this person trying to get them to do an interview. They've been, she's been sick for the last year working multiple jobs, exhausted, unable, you know, barely hanging on and trying to set up a fundraiser and her accounts under an alias. And they, you know, there's all kinds of problems. I tried to help with that, but I don't know what I can do. And she didn't want to come on the show and talk about this until, you know, she had some kind of fundraising mechanism because, you know, she's, she's like so many of the other vaccine injured can't work really can't do what she used to do is struggling to make ends meet is struggling to keep things together and not end up homeless because these people have been screwed over by their government. They were manipulated, coerced and propagandized to the tune of $10 billion to take this shot that has gravely injured and harmed them. Okay. So the depopulation agenda, he's talking about, the Gates 2010 speech where he's talking about the new vaccines reducing the population by 10 to 15%. That's actually the growth of 10 to 15%. And they do that because a number of reasons, you know, as, as uh, societies or uh, people mature, they have fewer kids. They don't have, they have more kids when infant mortality is high. So by reducing that, you can reduce the population because that's the natural course that, uh, that, humanity takes when they start doing better. People start having less kids for some reason. Okay. So he kind of points all of that out and they goes through and kind of compares that in the film. I completely washed my hands of Stu Peters after his watch the water snake venom fiasco, which yeah, that was ridiculous and died suddenly offers no redemption. This is not somebody we can trust. As far as I'm concerned, Stu Peters makes the rest of us look bad And whether that is on purpose or not is sort of beside the point because either way he's bad for the movement because in the end he discredits us even if he gets some things right. Going forward, he deserves 100% of our derision and 0% of our attention. And I pretty much agree with that. You know, I've watched a video at least a year ago where he said in there, Alex Jones, we're coming for you. And it's, this is, the perfect analogy, right? Especially considering that Alex Jones knowingly pushed that false, that edited clip of Borla talking about reducing the world's population by 50% by 2023. I made it. it. He said he checked the transcripts. He knew it was fake, but he promoted it anyway. Why? Because it's good for views. And these guys are ringing the cash register, making big bucks off of this. And that's also, I think, why we started seeing all of this infighting all of a sudden, because resources attention is dwindling 
and they need to make it more sensational to keep the views, to keep the money rolling in. That's who these people are. That's what we see over and over and over again. So he's got a postscript here. Stu recently interviewed Israeli scientist, Dr. Shamel Sharipa. Now Josh is in Israel, I believe, or over there. Uh, who was director of the state's biological institute. He was vaccine injured by the COVID vaccines. And then when he went public, his reputation was trashed by the establishment. Here's how Stu Peters spun the interview. And the title is Israel makes secret deal with Pfizer to murder the masses. (laughs) Needless to say, Dr. Sharpira was mortified. He had already put his reputation on the line by speaking out. He publicly denounced the interview and expresses his regret for doing it. Other information I consider to be true and important besides the postmortem clots includes the increase in all-cause mortality that cannot be explained by COVID, the decline in fertility rates, people passing out live on tape, many people, especially young people, dying suddenly for no apparent reason, and the increase in aggressive cancer. So there he is saying, look, these things are all happening, but We've got to actually care about the truth and care about actually getting to the highest truth. And when we make mistakes, acknowledging those mistakes and moving on and correcting them going forward. And that's not happening today. Why? Because the sensationalist propaganda makes more money, gives them more power, more control, more influence, more wealth. That's who most of these people are. And it's sad, sad to see people like me, like Josh, like Matthew being sidelined because we want to try and get to that highest truth. And we're being sidelined by people pushing this kind of nonsense. Now, how did Stu Peters respond? Well, he took it really well. Someone asked him in his Telegram channel, and I went in and saw this. Stu, please refute Josh Getznow's substack against your film. Josh also shared another substack against the film and wrote, must read. And Stu responds, Josh can come on my show and air his grievances. Maybe he can come on along with the parents of an 18-year-old healthy girl who died suddenly after getting the Pfizer shot. Maybe he can come on alongside hundreds of embalmers from across the planet that are pulling these white fibrous parasites out of the otherwise healthy people who are now dead. Maybe he can come on with Lieutenant Colonel Teresa Long. Maybe he can tell her she is lying about the decimation of our military. Maybe Josh would like to come on and speak with Dr. James Thorpe, who is watching babies have heart attacks in the womb and pregnancies being lost as innocent children are murdered. Josh can suck it. That's my refute. So obviously he didn't even bother to read what was written, right? He just comes out and attacks him. This is intentional. He is a disinformation agent, most likely, or he just doesn't really give a fuck about the truth. And what he cares about is making more money, wealth, power, and influence for himself and his cohorts. Because You know, Dr. Jane Ruby's in on this. Of course, little does he know, these guys have been working with Teresa Long, telling, explaining this to her multiple times, and she keeps pretending not to know that this 
that that what they're pushing is not true. <sighs> so there you go. All right, let's finish up here with uh, Matthew's article. He goes on, I can think of a few people who do more damage to those arguments by soaking up more and more audience than keeping them anxious and angry than Stu Peters. And I pretty much agree with that. Uh, Josh is saying here in a tweet, if died suddenly convinces a lot of people then who cares how accurate it is? That's one of the retorts to his article. And he says, no, we cannot accept an ends justify the means mentality and say it's okay to deceive as long as we win. That's the mentality of our opponents. If we aren't better than that, we've already lost. And he's absolutely correct, right? It's Thich Nhat Hanh that said, uh, there is no way to peace. Peace is the way. One does not war one's way to peace. The ends are, do not justify the means. The ends are the means. And that's a quote that I've had on my main screen back over here years and years ago. It's one of my favorites because it really is bang on. The ends are the means. If you want peace, you go out and you be peaceful. You don't fight a war and stick guns in people's faces and threaten them. That doesn't create peace. We will begin to rebuild trustworthy systems precisely when those gathering for the task are committed to building trustworthy systems. Educate yourself. Perhaps reread my warnings about communities steering towards the same flawed-focused centralization from which we are trying to escape and call out the any of the growing 800-pound gorillas in the medical freedom movement disinterested in important facts and targets of investigation. If you let them play hero ball, they control the image of the truth. Then it all it takes is the corruption of the small handful of people to wait. This sounds exactly like the problem with our federal health agencies now, doesn't it? Yes, 100%. And so does Elon's high school popularity reinstatement policy that feels like the, the basketball team selection in, in high school gym class. <laughs> That's essentially what he's doing. And it's feeding into this narrative. So much for the, the level playing field for free speech. Bullshit, Elon. You haven't delivered it. Okay. And of course, he invited all these guys. Stu Peters, Matthew Miller... Uh, Steve Kirsch, the DMED whistleblowers, Rents, Lee Dundas, uh, Malone, Midwestern Doctor, Josh, any of the embalmers, Hirschman and others, Dr. Cole, Susan Oliver, Dr. Eric Burnett, Dr. Paul Alexander, Dr. Karen Kingston, and opened it to others. Who showed up? <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> Liam, who runs the Operation Uplift, Matthew, and that's Josh down there they're the only three they're the ones who care about getting to the truth and guess what they don't have big followings i mean they they they're they're pretty good but it's compared to the people pushing the sensationalized propaganda they're a drop in the bucket and it's because most people keep falling for this bullshit they keep getting manipulated over and over again the only time Steve has responded to my half dozen or so attempts to communicate, this is Matthew saying this, was when I resigned from his vaccine steering committee. 
He claimed that he is simply willing to speak anywhere, anytime to promote education about the likely harms caused by the vaccines, but I'm done holding that level of naivety as something like my willing suspension of disbelief. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I've had that same experience with Steve. So there you go. He has an open invitation to discuss all of this for RTE. That's rounding the earth. That's uh, Matthew's podcast that he started to, because, you know, people kept standing him up for interviews and ignoring him. So he starts putting the truth out. And of course, it's a, it is a fine line to walk. I try and do a show that's uh, both educational, but also entertaining. Some shows are more successful than others. Okay. But uh, <laughs> you got to find the right message and it's a fine line to walk to sort of stick to the facts, but also present compelling information that people are going to care enough to watch in the first place. So I don't know the answer or I'd be, I'd have some big backers and I don't. So, okay. Speaking of Steve Kirsch, well, uh, remember this guy, Mr. Uh, MRNA, the spike proteins like ice cubes, it just melt in your body. Can get no, no spike protein sticking around in the body because they melt like ice cubes. <laughs> here, here he is right here. Let's back this up and oh, hold on, I need to get to my. I asked the doctors on stage what are the long-term effects of the vaccine, and not one of them could give me an answer. <laughs> Never thought I'd see the day when the YOLO generation would care so much about long-term effects, but... Yo, ayo, no cap, I'ma keep it a bean. I ain't gonna hold no arms. Vaccines in general don't have delayed long-term effects. These ain't no different. Um, actually, they are different. Vaccines traditionally work by neutralizing, sterilizing, not inducing your body to produce a pathogen and then be expressed on the surface of cells, which then come along and, and attract the attention of antibodies, which then kill your body's own cells. So yeah, Drew, they are actually really quite a bit different than traditional vaccines. They're not vaccines at all. They're gene transfection therapies, experimental gene transfection therapies that really uh, have never worked. One or two shots that induce a natural immune response ain't gonna come back to bite you years down the line. Any adverse effects that could happen will take place in the first eight weeks. Even those are extremely rare. That's more of Fauci's propaganda, which is based on traditional vaccines, which these are not. So, uh, you know, look at what we just covered with what's happening with the IgG antibodies and what's happening to the people getting sick, unable to clear their illnesses, dying suddenly. This guy is a propagandist for the pharmaceutical cartels. But you know those commercials where they be like, if you took this medication, then you may be entitled to compensation. Yeah, but those be for drugs people use for extended periods of time. Not a vaccine that ain't do nothing but warn your immune system of a threat. Like if you drink... Ain't do nothing but warn your immune system of a threat. Well, no, actually it induces your body to produce that threat and then causes apoptosis and uh, antigenic fixation, original antigenic send, basically setting up people to uh, have their bodies slowly damaged over time more and more until they die suddenly. Drew, which is not his real name, by the way. 
Four Locals at a party in 2010, you didn't start randomly throwing up five years later. Probably had a good time at that party though. First of all, mRNA and long term shouldn't even be in the same sense. Because mRNA is extremely fragile. Matter of fact, it's the only thing in this world more fragile than the male ego. Ain't no woman disagree with that. That's why Moderna stored a negative 4 degrees Fahrenheit and Pfizer stored a negative 94 degrees Fahrenheit in order to slow down the degradation process. Your body ice cubes. Got 98.6 degrees Fahrenheit. Which means getting one of these vaccines is like putting an ice cube on a foreman grill or a grown man trying to use his wife's shower water. Of course, uh, the problem with that, well, every study, Drew, that we've looked at, they find the spike protein. They have not, not found it, in fact. It's always been there. Now, lower numbers, it trails off over time, but it's still circulating around, causing problems. It's still a pathogen. Okay, so just lie after lie after lie. Now, he released these, I think, back in 20 early 2021 i believe the mrna is broke down after about 24 hours spike protein is gone after about 72 hours here for a good time not a long time baby and during that good time the mrna has no way to escape itself cytoplasm to the cell nucleus so no it cannot alter your dna it's too busy having this cannot escape well the the cell takes fragments of it and exposes it on the surface and it gets into the nucleus of the cell where it disrupts p53 and all sorts of other things right probably had nine tails shortened by exonucleases in the deadenylation dependent mrna decay pathway the nonsense mediated decay pathway and some other mechanisms i can't even pronounce yet mrna gonna stick around shorter than the dude who asked the woman what she brings to the table back in 2011 human trials took place on the mrna platform of cancer patients them same folks doing just fine many of them raising kids and paying child support cdc is also uh how about the pigs they were injected with the pegylated lipid that had the heart attacks after the second dose. How about some of the other studies where they did challenge studies with mRNA technology and the animals died? Of course, we can trust all the trial data from the pharmaceutical cartels because they never do anything dishonest. Right, Drew? How's this guy benefiting? He's kind of stopped making videos as of late. Vaccinated so they can pass the antibodies on to their babies. Like preschool for the immune system. What do they think of it? You know what else gets passed on to the baby? mRNA and the spike protein. So that's 30 years of research. 10 years of human data. Best researchers from the whole world. I'm with 30 years of failed research that's never brought a successful product to market. But don't worry. This time we got it perfect. So perfect. In fact, we don't even need to prove that it works. I'm more concerned about the long-term effects of COVID and the milk crates. <laughs> than I am about these vaccines. Mm -hmm. Go get y'all shot, man. No, thanks. 150 million. Of course, he's got more here. <clears throat> Full vaccinations given out in the U.S. And I'm one of them. Moderna gang, my boy. Why'd I do it? Pretty simple. Deadly pandemic. Because you stupid. I ain't trying to die. Vaccine, 94% effective after the second shot. Sign me up. I've been hearing from virologists and ICU physicians, most of whom look like me. My mind was me. The ones following the CDC death protocol. Made up. Not to mention nobody give me a good enough reason not to do it. You don't remember Tuskegee, my boy? Yeah, I do. And I also remember in that same instance, black men were refused treatment. Matter of fact, we're routinely excluded or hindered from getting life-saving vaccinations. Mm. But look how fast they made it. It's a, it's a black thing, folks. They didn't test it. That's cap. First off, it started phase one of human trials for Moderna back in mid-March 2020. Plus, three mm -hmm. things contribute to vaccine development usually taking so long. And, then, you know, these are the trials that came out. 1,200 people died <laughs> in the trial. 
but that was fine. Funding, manpower, where the starting point is. Now, coincidentally, these are the same factors that go into dating, but that's a conversation for another time. Let's first look at funding. Medical research costs money. Most of the time, one of the biggest challenges is getting grants, but that wasn't the case this time around. With the exception of the state of Georgia, the whole world closed down and researchers had access to all the money in it, which leads into the next advantage they had. In- Sweden didn't close down. Incredible manpower. Usually these research groups are pretty small with a handful of folks. But COVID-19 taking top priority in the world, the entire global medical community researched it together. At the same yeah, it was great for Fauci. You know, he, I mean, the, the HIV scam only netted him a few billion dollars. This was in the tens of billions of dollars. Very successful fear campaign. Same time and shared notes. That with 100,000 people pretty much immediately volunteering for trials. They had more manpower than the comment section of a Kevin Samuels video. Anyway, third part is your starting point. mRNA is new, but it ain't that new. It's been studied for the better part of 30 years, going back to the early 90s. I'm talking about days of Mama Said Knock You Out, LL, mm-hmm. Wanted Dead or Alive, Poojee Rap, Home Base, DJ Jazzy Jeff, and the Fresh Print. Some of y'all too young for that. Technically, I am too. But you don't even know what's in that vaccine. And it be causing Bell's palsy and autism and making women infertile and having miscarriages. Big Cap, New Era Cap, Michelin. Yep, that's exactly what we're seeing. And we're going to look at some more data showing exactly that. In my Moderna vaccine was messenger ribonucleic acid, lipid nanoparticles such as SM102, polyethylene glycol 2000 dimerostoglycerol. That's the pegylated lipid. Cause heart attacks in pigs after the second dose. Glycerol. And one, two, the steel roll SM glycerol. Just because you can pronounce some big words, Drew, doesn't mean you know the impact the impact and the effects on the human body, much less the immune system. Rephosphocholine, trimethamine, trimethamine hydrochloride, acetic acid, sodium acetate trihydrate, and sucrose. Bruh. Ain't none of that causing Bell's palsy, autism, or infertility in women. Because this bro says it ain't it ain't doing it, so therefore it's conclusive. And women have later become pregnant. Women who didn't know. Oh, so if women can get pregnant afterwards, then it's fine, obviously. There's no worry here. Nothing could possibly be going wrong. If I can find examples of women who have had the shot, of course, we know what happened to the shots. A lot of them broke down because they weren't handled properly. So what you got was a bunch of mush instead of an active ingredient. And we're seeing declines in birth rates, declines in sperm count, and and increases in stillbirths. Set off the two safety signals at the Scottish hospital, remember that? And on and on and on. They were pregnant when they got vaccinated, went full term with their gestation. Look, they how they work. The mRNA goes into the cytoplasm of the cell and gives instructions on how to make the spike protein found on the actual COVID-19 body. Your own body creates the spike protein, then creates antibodies that can beat it when and if the real thing shows up. So in athlete terms, the mRNA shows up with game film. Your body then creates a scout team and can strategize against and beat up on in preparation for game day, just in case there's a game day. So really, we need... And we just looked at that. And what is it doing? It's now ignoring it, which the virus can then come in and use and... It thinks the virus is on the body's same team, so it doesn't attack it. Let's it go around destroying your body, destroying your cells, until all of a sudden you drop dead. Talking about vaccination, we talking about practice. As with any vaccinations, there are minor risks. So talk to your doctor. They're going to tell you the same thing. Then go get your shot. Because it don't make sense to be more afraid of the vaccine than you are of the actual virus. That's bass aquas. So idiots like this pushing lies and propaganda were allowed on. This is from TikTok. He's also still on Twitter. All that was fine. While people telling the truth, pointing out shedding, pointing out these inconvenient truths are getting silenced and marginalized. So Steve Kirsch got him on a Twitter. Steve's been allowed back on, on Twitter, you know, 
because of the high school popularity contest. He got Drew to drop in to a, oh, I'm sorry, you guys can't see that, to a Twitter spaces chat that had uh, Dr. Cole, Dr. Saeed right there, uh, a few others that I don't recognize. And uh, Drew said it was very clear. He said it was impossible for the vaccine to kill anyone, debunk the funk. Funny, he has the same line that there are no deaths from the vaccines. He was arguing with Ryan Cole about mechanisms of action. Drew argued theory and Dr. Cole argued evidence in plain sight. Dr. Cole invited Drew to his lab to see the evidence firsthand. Drew neglected to follow up on the, on the offer. So here Steve did something right, I think. He asked Drew, okay, so if the vaccines didn't kill these people, how do you explain the 15,000 excess deaths in VAERS? He said without citing any evidence that he didn't know, but the very first thing he considered is that it was COVID that killed these people. <laughs> so what did he just do? He stepped into the trap that the vaccines are giving people COVID and then they're dying without realizing it. Why? Because the evidence is becoming so compelling that this guy's a fucking moron who has no idea what he's talking about and maybe not a moron, but a paid propagandist, I don't know, or he's benefiting somehow from these pharmaceutical cartels for pushing this message that got hundreds of thousands of views, those videos. And now he has no outs, like the jig's up. And he doesn't even realize that he just admitted, okay, well, if these people got the vaccines to protect themselves from COVID and that's what killed them, uh, how is it the vaccines are working? Drew was also firm in saying that the death safety signal in VAERS hasn't triggered. That's new to me. I asked him for his calculation. He failed to produce it and doesn't even know what the criteria was. Then all of a sudden, deaths in VAERS. So here's Steve talking about the implications of Drew's admission that it was COVID causing these excess deaths in VAERS, which is a report of people that took the vax, took the shots. He says, uh, then all of a sudden, deaths in VAERS skyrocketed when the COVID vaccines rolled out. And you can see the chart. It's, you know, just really low until 2021, 2022. The deaths skyrocketed only for the COVID vaccine, not for any other vaccine. The blue bars are unchanged. Okay. Put on your critical thinking hat. Time for some critical thinking. The All the 15,000 Americans in, in the VAERS who uh, died had the COVID vaccine. And Drew said that was his first guess is that the excess deaths were from COVID. The background death rate for VAERS from COVID was minuscule in 2020. When he rolled the vax out in 2021, it skyrocketed. So, yeah, he was just caught, you know, with with, with no defense. Like, his, his best deflection proves that he's wrong. He just discredited himself. <laughs> and I love that. Okay, Swedish birth rate data. I'm not going to read all of this. I just want you guys to know. This is Elgato Malo again. This is back from December 7th. So we had this, uh, we, we've, I came back from Florida. I had planned to get a show out last uh, two weeks ago during Christmas. It was, I think Christmas Eve was the Sunday or Christmas day. It might've been Christmas day, but whatever. Two days before that, we had a freeze. I was actually at a, 
place that takes sirloin and injects it with cheese or jalapenos and wraps those up and sells them as skewers at the, some of the local grocery stores under a white label agreement. They had a flood and I'm out there vacuuming up water and placing equipment and scanning the, the USDA plant, got to break into the USDA office. <laughs> uh, anyway, and I, I've just been running constantly. We did for those of you that listen to the episode about Florida, we did twice as much, uh, twice as many properties, probably square footage too, as we did in Florida in two weeks versus three without all the drama. Cause we got rid of three of the four people that went and hired a new guy. That's actually pretty good. Knows what he's doing has been an insurance adjuster and all that. Uh, you know, we had some hiccups, but it went far, far smoother this time. And, uh, Anyway, so I've been swamped the last couple of weeks just running around trying to make all that happen. I just finished the last scans of the, I, we did over 10 houses or 10 properties. Some of them are like 10,000 square feet. Those are pretty big jobs. Uh, and just finished the last scans of those Friday and uh, we're already getting some of those built, which is excellent. A lot of times that takes months before my brother's that organized. So anyway, um, He's Elgato Mallow here a while back was pointing to Sweden because they didn't lock down. They have good data. It goes back 25 years. It's the, the, the lack of a lockdowns is not a confounding factor. You know, the whole delayed reaction and all that. And they had a high vaccine uptake rate. So what he's seen, two leading theories seem to have emerged. This is the result of the vaccine induced sterility reduced fertility sperm counts as has been biologically documented in a number of places and two or number two this is a summer shift where the birth rates in 2021 deriving from a sort of blackout baby trend due to less travel and more staying at home in 2020 due to covid fears lockdowns and travel restrictions gave way to a summer of reopening and everyone went on vacation instead of trying to get pregnant both fit pretty well temporarily my hypothesis from july 9th uh, was this, and he's kind of explaining some of that. And, uh, what he's pointing out is time will tell, right? And it looks like there is a significant drop that it is not, uh, just some kind of explainable thing. And you can see some of the graphs here for those of you that are watching, uh, in terms of percentage, a drop of 8.2% for the year is more than two X, the magnitude of the largest drop in the last 25 years. And that drop, negative 4%, was in 2011, was itself a huge outlier. We're into four to five standard deviation territory here. And this makes the possibility that this is random well under one-tenth of 1% as the spread is pretty is a pretty normal distribution. He's talking about this graph right here. You can see this just massive, massive drop here. Something extremely unusual is going on, and this reaction is far too large relative to 2021 to just be number of additional folks had babies in 2021 and didn't in 2022. That number was pretty much nothing and can be seen. So here's the data showing that that's not what happened either. So, and then he goes through the some of the sperm count stuff and... What was this? Oh, yeah. This is a chart showing daily COVID vaccine doses peaked. And shortly after, guess what else peaked? Google searches for COVID vaccine menstruation, which has been one of the top side effects uh, that women have been experiencing. And uh, 
men, although not in not menstruation, but uh, reproductive issues. Okay, so you had that surge as well, and it goes on and on. I I think it's pretty clear that these things are all happening. That uh, these shots are affecting fertility; they're causing major major problems. And here's Elgato Malo saying, most worrying. This impact looks durable, and the mechanism by which that would likely occur is autoimmune, a well-known problem with mRNA-based vaccines which do not teach immune systems to attack a pathogen, but rather the recipient's own cells by causing them to express proteins that look similar to infected cells. If this goes too far, your immune system may wind up erroneously trained to see your own cells as foreign invaders and attack them relentlessly There is no way to shut this miscalibration off once it starts, and the affinity of mRNA jabs for testes, ovaries, kidneys, and hearts have been documented. And I think, you know, I experienced some of that when I either caught COVID or was exposed to shedding as well. I've described that several times. So he's leaning, I think, towards this being durable. It's not this transitory thing that's going to go away. This is something that's with us. It's causing fertility problems. It's causing reproductive issues. It's causing some of these stillbirths and drops in birth rates. And it's not something that's going away. And you put that with the other puzzle piece that we opened the show with, the immune systems basically giving the virus a free pass to go in and wreak havoc and spread and multiply in these same, the testes, ovaries, kidneys, and heart in these organs until one day, there's not enough cells left to keep the ship afloat and boom died suddenly. That's where this is likely heading. And I don't know what we can really do to change course. Of course, Karen here, she's a actuary in Australia The COVID-19 Mortality Working Group of the Actuaries Institute released an update of our excess mortality analysis today covering detailed ABS data to August 31st of 2022. Strap in, folks. This is a long one. So we've got this this graphic here. I'm going to make it a little bigger for you guys. You can see it starts off 2020 and there's a little bit of undiagnosed COVID-19 there in the First quarter, it looks like, first, second quarter around there. Then you have this negative mortality displacement, which is which gets reversed in 2020 when the these are excess deaths that we're looking at, right? And uh, there's they're divided out into categories of respiratory, other non-COVID, and from COVID in, in red, and other non-COVID is blue, and respiratory is in yellow. And then you've got the 13-week centered non-COVID excess deaths. So it's kind of oscillating a little bit around until you get to the end of 2021 where it just starts climbing. And in 2022, it's way higher and a lot of red from COVID deaths. And what they're trying to claim is, well, we had negative mortality displacement, you know, when these doctors, uh, when people weren't going to the doctor, they, everybody started living longer and doing better and not dying for some strange reason, <laughs> but then that reversed and then they did start dying. And now two years later, they're dying because they didn't go to the emergency room and they didn't see the doctors. That's, that's their explanation. 
still. Like, how long are they going to stretch this one out, right? Oh, but wait, there's more. There's more. She goes on. She's got a whole thread here, appropriately named Karen. So she excess deaths, they, they do account for changes in population size and age mix, continuation of pre-pandemic mortality trends. Ethical skeptic would be happy about that. Only problem, well, they talk about from COVID-19 uh, versus with COVID-19. Now, you know, they need to make that distinction to be clear. Uh, when they were talking the COVID death numbers, that's when that was not an important thing that we shall not discuss. Anyone who does discuss died with versus died from COVID, they're a misinformation tinfoil hat wearing conspiracy theorist who should be silenced and removed from social media so they cannot take part in the public discussion. And then incidental COVID-19 deaths are not counted as COVID-19 deaths. And I'm thinking that's people who get sick who are dying of something and then they catch COVID at the hospital, maybe those hospital infections that we've talked about previously. Except August saw another two weeks of very, very high death counts followed by uh, two weeks that were only very high. So you can see the chart here. Uh, Let me blow this up a little bit and go back full screen. So you can see those yellow, those orange dots here in 2022 and the little blue sort of wave looking thing that's what they, that's the expected range. And they have been just way above that for a long, long time. Okay. These things are not working. It's not going according to plan and they're running out of excuses. We estimated 10% access for the month of August, lower than previous months. This due to a lower respiratory, respiratory deaths than predicted, reflecting the earlier than normal flu season. So that's their explanation. Uh, dust from COVID fell across August and you can see it's kind of dropping down pretty sharply, suggesting that COVID is a catalyst rather than being merely coincidental, potentially also some blurring between the lines of from versus with COVID deaths. I'm so glad they care about that all of a sudden. After removing from and with COVID deaths, significant excess remains, particularly around the time of peak COVID in January and the flu in June and July suggest Delays in emergency care impacting or possibly undiagnosed COVID or possibly an immune system that's treating COVID like a toxin and telling the body to ignore it while it goes around wreaking havoc and causing deaths. Karen. Of course, what else does it show? Well, um, ischemic heart disease, a clear increase in the biggest contributor, cancer and cerebrovascular, increasing trends, diabetes, higher than expected throughout the pandemic. Of course, some of these like coincide with the start of the vaccine and, you know, didn't start with this whole lack of emergency room care. Like it just doesn't support their narrative. Dementia, of course, what is this from? Well, the spike protein crossing the blood brain barrier, misfolding into prions. Remember the computer modelers that did the, the enzyme analysis that the body would send these enzymes, break up the spike protein And the pieces out of that, several of them are prime candidates for misfolding into prions, which cause things like mad cow disease in people and, you know, all sorts of other problems. But it's not something that's just happening in the brain. It's happening all over the body because the spike proteins is floating around throughout. They're not like ice cubes unless those ice cubes are residing in Antarctica, Drew. Sorry for that. You were flat out wrong. Other diseases lower than predicted in 2020, 
correlated with lower respiratory, uh, but as a group are the largest contributor to excess in 2022. Doctor certified dementia, doctor certified all respiratory disease, doctor certified other diseases, all coroner referred, including COVID. Anyway, and it goes on and on. So, and of course, she's got no explanation for why younger people have all these excess deaths either. Probably can't explain why those deaths correlate with the rollout of the vaccines either. I'm wondering if that's reflected. Yeah. So see, you've got these bigger bumps here and it kind of tapers back because they did these. Uh, well, if you're over 85, then you can get it. If you're this age, now you're, you're the vaccines available to you. Come get your shot and so on. Here's the same graph with excess shown as a percentage. And you can see these younger age groups have a lot of excess deaths. Females even more so than males. Could that be because of the reproductive issues? Because of what this thing naturally targets. Of course, here is, I don't know if there's anybody in the audience in Australia that can answer. I know we got a lot of listeners out there. If you can answer this in chat, I would appreciate it. I don't remember which territories. So you've got New South Wales, which had that Dan Andrews dickhead that would come out and scold the dirty, unwashed, unvaccinated uh, and pushing the, the mandates and threatening to jail people and all sorts of other nonsense. Uh, I, I think Western Australia was the one that sort of did the least but I know these territories had some differences in how hard they pushed the mandates and so forth. And it looks to me like the top three NSW Victoria and Queensland were the worst. And I think those were the three that pushed the mandates the hardest. I don't know if anybody can, uh, can confirm that because I don't remember which territories were doing what anyway, but yeah, these people are just going to keep making excuses until, their logic is in such conflict that the whole narrative collapses, I think is how this is going to come out. And according to the ethical skeptic on his telegram group, he's like, they've got 10 days left. And I can't remember exactly why he was saying that, but he's like, they've got 10 days left. And then they get to explain why we've got six, 7,000 excess deaths every week. And it's not abating. But Karen here, She's got all the answers. Remember also the president of the AMA in uh, one of the Australian territories, her daughter in her early twenties found dead in her bed. She worked for that VIP security company. No, she was vaccinated. Died suddenly in her sleep. I sent a letter to every single one of those committee members that was listed on the website, sent an email explaining, asking her, how, long, how much longer are you guys going to go on denying this? You've lost your own daughter to your lies and deceptions. You know, that was probably uncomfortable next meeting after, after that. <laughs> she never responded, never repealed her policy, never changed course, going down with the ship. That's who these people are. Of course, now we've got John Campbell. He's been around <laughs> for a long time reading studies and He's had enough. It's time to not stop, but we're, we just need to pause the COVID mass vaccination as if like 
people are just still lining up to get these shots. No, John, you're about two years late to this party, but thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, David. Thank you for coming. Sure. Thank of course, you for he coming. covered another thank study you. where um, they compared the, the conclusion of the study was that the vaccinated are less likely to get in auto accidents. Why? Well, he went through some of the numbers. A friend sent me this and it was kind of funny. Uh, they did the whole 14 day window trick where, oh, if you got the shot, antibodies haven't been produced, don't get produced for 14 days. So if you get sick, it's you're counted as unvaccinated, which totally skews the numbers. Then they also found uh, that were decided to go ahead and exclude people who died in auto accidents if they were found dead on the scene. You know, like if you're driving along and you have a heart attack and then you crash into a wall, a single car accident with nobody else around, you're found dead on the scene, which was over 80% of the deaths in their study. Those were excluded because, I mean, we don't, it's not like the vaccines have a have been linked to heart attacks or anything, is it? <laughs> and they, they, they seem to really imply in this study that if you're unvaccinated, you're far more likely to get in a car accident and die and or die. And it's just like, it just shows what a complete fraud this whole system is. This whole government-sanctioned medical practice of medicine system has become. It is a lie. They are killing people left and right. Okay. Of course, here in uh, Canada, medically assisted deaths prove a growing boon to organ donation in Ontario. The waiting list that typically hovers around 1,600 with, without any great headway made to eliminate that number, now suddenly that they're uh, you know, offering people medically assisted suicide, they're making some headway on that number. That is great, great. And of course, uh, I want to just talk about this. This is the Harvenstein moment. This is some housing news. Now we've talked about the housing crash that's coming and why it's coming because, you know, interest rates are going up. The Fed's caught in this catch 22. They're trying to stop deflation, but they can't keep printing money. So they are forced to raise interest rates, which is causing mortgage payments to increase, which means people can't afford this same to pay the same purchase price for these houses that have been artificially inflated by the Fed taking two and a half trillion dollars on their balance sheet. By the way, remember the reverse repo? I think it's 1.5 trillion. We'll go down. But remember the reverse repo that was uh, that we were talking about on the show right before the pandemic kicked off? that that was going, you know, ballistic and that reverse repo. What is that? That's when the money, the banks borrow zero interest free money from the fed in order to meet the reserve requirements so that their money that they have parked out in speculative gambles can be left there and they don't have to be as fiscally responsible. Well, that's peaked at like, I think it was 2.7 trillion this week or last week, the most recent data. Okay. So, Here's what we're seeing now, and this is uh, Rudy Harvenstein. Uh, he says ex- he's showing Exhibit One. Existing home sales um, have plunged on the heels of low affordability and a lack of inventory. Sellers are pulling their houses off the market. New privately owned housing units are going up, peaking in construction right now. 
Here's the Fed's holding of mortgage-backed securities from $0 in 2008 before the <clears throat> housing crisis that they created to $2.6 trillion in charges in change today. Yes, it's a semi-log chart that we're looking at there. 30-year fixed mortgage rates, you can see those have started to climb. That's what's causing the drop in housing prices, right? Since 1971, the average 30-year mortgage rate, including the above Freddie Mac numbers, is 7.76%, and the median is 7.43%. It's currently at 6.42%. The problem isn't the rate, it's the price. It's the inflation. They have pumped this bubble with all of this cheap, free money, and now it's time to pay the piper. And what's happening? We're seeing right here cities where the most home sellers are giving up You've got uh, California, Austin, Texas, Baltimore, Boston, Chicago, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Columbus, Denver, Detroit, Fort Lauderdale, and Houston all seeing uh, almost doubling of uh, sellers pulling their homes off the market because they're not getting any offers. Immediately near me are 10 homes for lease right now and only four for sale, which is unusual around here. For lease here means can't sell. And of course, what do the numbers show for that? Well, here's the data. Oh, I don't want to do that. Okay. What you can see in the light colored bar in the Southwest at 7%. Now in the purple bar, 17%. Florida, it was 4% in July of 2022. In November, sorry, in November of 2022, it's now at 15%. Northwest is 1%, now 14, 6, and 13 for Northern California. Southern California was 10%, now it's 11. Texas is holding steady because, you know, got an influx, so probably same for Florida. The national average was 4%, now it's 9% of houses being taken off the market and turned into rentals because they can't sell them. And they think they're, oh, we'll just ride the storm out with some renters, and the reality is it's going to keep going down and down, and down. Remember me coming back from Florida talking about the neighbor of the one of the houses, the guys I was talking to, that said, oh, our neighbor's sitting on $200 million in dirt. He's going to lose his ass. And deservingly so, if you ask me. Uh, okay. So here you can see, there's a tweet about uh, housing prices. And how they've been dropping and dropping and dropping. Of course, Texas and Florida, not seeing that those steep declines and so forth. <clears throat> Let me see. Median price decline from peak in 2022. That's the red. And you can see it's all over. In the bubble before this one, but after the other one, housing peaked nationally. In February 2007, bottomed in February 2012, which my model indicate is roughly five years. So what he's saying here, 2007 was the peak and then five years of decline. We're now peaking way up here for those of you watching. Way, way higher. And we've got probably five years of decline ahead of us. Housing bubble 2.0? No, everything's fine, folks. This will all be fine. Let's just head down to the Winchester. We'll have a pint and wait for this to all blow over. <laughs> all right, that's it. That's what I wanted to cover. So 
the, the reason I included this, I just want you guys to know there was a story actually, let me see if I can find it that I want to read. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I highlighted, let me see if it'll show up here. That's no, not okay. Let me read you this little firsthand account. Cause I like these. I think they're very uh, informative. This is how you kind of get the, uh, the pulse of what's going on. I talked to a real estate agent at an open house yesterday, pricey, nice big house, nice neighborhood. No one came by in the half hour I was there. He talked a lot and I listened. He seemed honest. Normally realtors are all, everything is awesome. (laughs) But he said his market has turned 180 degrees in the last month or two. Two failed escrows apparently on the house that he was in, that he was showing due to rates. Why? Oh, interest rates have gone up. They can't afford the payment anymore. Got to get the house for cheaper or we can't afford this. He said that it takes sellers six to nine months to figure out the market has turned, but buyers realize it right away when they go to see that monthly payment. He actually said better to sell a year too early than a day too late. Imagine a real estate agent saying that in 2022. (laughs) Um, Let's see. There's another one. Somebody bought for 1.9 million and it wasn't getting much attention. His seller purchased the home in April when the house prices were peaking for 2.45 million. I cannot get an offer. It's worth all day 2.3 to 2.4 million. And we lowered the price, but not a single offer has come in. (laughs) Apparently no one wants the house at 1.9 million. So maybe it's not worth the 2.3 to 2.4 million all day. Huh? Yeah. The normies are figuring it out and, uh, it's going to, continue to decline if you ask me so all right let's see what you guys have to say here in the comments if we can switch over there i know there's some i've seen some ridiculous ones that we'll talk about here let's see how many more if you have a question or something for me you can use asterisks in your uh, comment so that i'll see it i'll read some of these though Here's 10 man once again saying there's never been any virus isolated. It's all a scam, which I think that's really a ridiculous thing to say. I've looked at those arguments. I've listened to those people. I get what they're saying. Okay. I think they have some valid points to make. On the other hand, there is this massive amount of evidence and analysis that sort of paints a picture that there are viruses that they are having these mechanisms of action, which are sort of tie in with their genetics. So yeah, there there might be something else. They might not have it right, but to throw the baby out with the bathwater is more disinformation. It's more of this infighting that we've been covering and you don't know, they don't know, but we've got all kinds of evidence that has Using heteroduction, we can point to and say it connects this, it connects this, it connects that that puzzle piece over there. And you want to come in, Tim, and say, Ten Man, and say that, well, vaccines don't exist because this guy who does a podcast says they don't. Because they add cow, uh, what is it, cow growth serum or cow hormone serum or whatever, and go through this process and this and that. And there's all these questions. And I agree, there's some points being raised there. But, and at the same time, you have to look at all of the dots and things that these researchers have connected and how they have predicted things that have now come true based on what you're saying is completely false and non-existent. 
maybe they don't have it exactly right, but what you're saying, I think, is even more ridiculous. Uh, the theory of purposely putting excessive data in the DMED data is far-fetched. They had to know that there would be a whistleblower. I mean, you would think so, but look, <clears throat> think about what the CDC did. They came in, did an upgrade, deleted records, reclassified records, have stopped processing the R codes so that they can have this unknown category that's a dumping ground for inconvenient truths that would show there is a massive problem. And all of the things that they said, we covered this in the last uh, Ethical Skeptic Part 2 of 2 of his Houston, we have a problem, or Houston, the CDC has a problem blog post. All of the things they said, the reasons they gave for doing the upgrade, none of those materialized except in the one instance for cancer, but it turns out that's just because they were going through reclassifying those cancer records that the uh, reporting lag sped up because they were fixing the data for that specific category to hide the truth. So none of them actually materialized, and yet now here we are left with missing records and all these other problems. And, uh, you know, the DMED doing something similar doesn't really surprise me. I don't see it as... <clears throat> as that far-fetched okay but they didn't say the invalid data was valid and the problem was actually incomplete data under reporting from previous years i think you're st yeah, i'm not sure what you're talking about there steve kirsch got trash when debating no virus at all debate with patrick yeah okay publicly throwing stones at others does at others on our side does zero to help the freedom movement, whether justified or not. Well, publicly spreading misinformation when you've been corrected on it and shown why it's incorrect and what went wrong and then continuing to push that narrative for views and advertising dollars and uh, book sales and all this other crap is doing zero to help the freedom movement either. <clears throat> I would think that the <clears throat> unjabbed would be screaming if they were getting vax noodles and we would be hearing these stories if it was a common occurrence. So I only know about the one case. I think with the shedding, you know, I've talked about this for over a year now. The game is minimize exposure. The less time you spend around the vaccinated, especially the recently injected, boosted, whatever, the better off you are because they're shedding spike proteins. You're going to be picking them up. So, but yeah, I know, I only know that one woman so far that's gotten them and she is adamantly unvaccinated. Uh, truth has no agenda or malice. Yeah. Stu could have simply done a show that addressed and discussed the issues. Most of it was decent, but when Malone criticized it, he did a show calling him clot shot Malone. What a fool. Yeah. There's a lot of this. And this is the same thing Alex Bernson did when he went on um, uh, the Tucker Carlson. He attacked Malone and called him names. Very immature and childish. And uh, yeah, this infighting, it just shows me that these people are more interested in their clout, their reputation, their following than they are the truth. 
And it's sad. It's sad. We cannot control the opportunities, our opportunists by giving them our energy and airtime. Let those would be who would be influenced by Stu do not have the discernment to see the truth anyway. I don't want to give up on them. You know, like I think that, you know, you can still say things to people that can change their mind. And I would always go back to that hearing on the death penalty in New Hampshire where everybody was was for repealing the death penalty. It was only if you kill a cop. Anybody else can't get the death penalty in New Hampshire. One guy stood up and spoke out against it. And then I spoke after him. He came up to me afterwards and said, you changed my mind. You know, I I never thought about corruption in the system, that they would make a mistake, that they would get it wrong, that they're incentivized to find somebody, whether it's right or not, because there's no consequences, that innocent people could be put to death. You changed my mind. So even people like that, and he got up and said some ridiculous shit, okay? People like that can still be reached. And it doesn't mean, it's, I don't think it's an excuse to give up on them. And I went in and commented on a Stu Peters thread that was just one of his absurd comments. And people are like coming out attacking me. And I just think it's ridiculous. So Peters turned up late to a show, which got my BS meter buzzing and served me well. I don't know. Okay. Uh, Dr. John received two shots. He will never get another. He has done a 180 towards the jab. He very carefully measures his comments on YouTube to not get strikes. Yeah. You know what? I lost my YouTube channel and I just have, I, I don't have a lot of respect for people that have not been banned from any platforms because it means they chose to self censor instead of tell the truth. And people died as a result. There are people in my audience who are alive today because they quit their job after watching some of my shows rather than be coerced into taking these deadly shots. So those of you who just went along or cowered because your YouTube channel is more important than saving people's lives, I'm sorry. I don't have a lot of respect for you folks. Okay, the DMED data they said was the whistleblower calling the inflation of medical problems was incorrect because the previous years were underreported. Yeah, well, I mean, what else are they going to say? They went in and did this supposed upgrade and like, yeah, same thing happened at the CDC. Then they went in and added records to the previous years to match the elevated levels the whistleblower reported. Yeah, exactly. They went back in a very Orwellian 1984 manner and raised the what the baseline is calculated from the pre, three previous years to make it look like this is all totally normal and everything's fine here. And they're getting away with it. And now we have people who have maybe made an honest mistake but have been called out on it and explain had it explained to them why it's a mistake, what the mistake was, what they need to do. And they are ignoring that and instead pushing sensationalized lies because it's good for their Substack subscriptions. It's good for their social media followings, the advertiser dollars that they're raking in and they just don't care. So, Uh, What do we do about this? 
I don't know. I don't know. What do I do about this? I mean, <laughs> I'm getting, I'm off Twitter, still not back, been deleted from truth for truth social for telling the truth that wasn't a popular truth because that's a platform for government, military propagandists and statists to push statism and for Trump to have his little army of followers that he gets to manipulate and control just like Bezos with his Washington Post. And the people who try and cover the truth and look at both sides of things and get to you know, the best information that we've got, nobody cares because it's not as sensational as the vaccines are killing people. Miscarriages are a thousand percent increase. Heart attacks, thousand percent increase in the military, even though it's all bullshit and they know it's bullshit. They just don't care. So be careful who you listen to. Call these people out. I don't know what else, what else to do, but if we don't do something, this ends very, very badly for humanity. And we're already on a very dark path, if you ask me. I think we're going to continue to see people just dropping dead, left and right. I think this whole antibody thing about, um, you know, it's seeing the, the spikes as a toxin, and now we're going to get variants that will come in and basically be ignored as they come in and ravage your organs and leave you to one day die suddenly. So JLM, one final comment here. He's saying, I'm not arguing Dr. John says things without directly saying them between the lines. He's got a different approach than you and he's reaching people. I appreciate the hell out of both of you. Thank you. You know, like I've, yeah, I, I'm not saying you're arguing or anything. That's, I, I appreciate your comments, JLM. Um, I've watched some of his early videos and I, I kind of did. I, yeah, he does that more so recently than earlier and um i don't know he just he didn't ask a lot of the hard questions people would watch his stuff and see it as he was still supporting vaccination before too long i mean he is vaccinated what did i say the first time oh i don't know but i'd be a little hesitant <laughs> and that quickly turned into don't fucking take these things. They're a bioweapon. And that was in 2020 before the vaccines were even available. Okay. <sighs> what do you do? What do you do? I don't know. If I had all the answers, we wouldn't be in this mess, maybe. But probably we still would. All right, folks. That's it. I'm out of here. I hope you all enjoyed it. I will should be back next week. Things will be settling down again here with... Uh, now that we've gotten through this whole freeze mess, sorry, I've been not around a lot during the holidays. It's been for a number of different reasons, but uh, that's it. Thank you guys for watching, and we'll catch you on next broadcast. Have a good evening, everyone. Can't see what's happening by now, then you're blind. They said it was to save lives, yeah, that was a lie. The writing's on the wall, man. Can't you see the signs? Now they're coming for the children. They just crossed the line. They said just give it time. Only three weeks and it will all be fine.
They want you tuned in to that TV every night So that they can implant fear deeply in your mind Now in order to defeat them, yo, we need to unite The Ministry of Truth has taken over There's a reason that they chose Corona Yeah, Corona means crown, work it out Man, it's all symbolism from the beginning, they told you 